0: tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie.
1: Welcome along to Tip Today on this Friday morning, 1800 007, our free phone number. Emma is looking after the show. She'll be happy to hear from you. Coming up on the programme uh, this morning, I'll be speaking to Johnny Luby in just uh, a little while. We'll hear some concerns from a Tipperary wheelchair User. One of uh, Ireland's largest dioceses uh, launches a vocations initiative, and our Friday panel will take on the hot topics of the week. So, all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. 083 oh three three double, one, double three double one And of course, you can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at uh, the headlines on the newspapers today. And uh, the majority of the newspapers featuring uh, speculation about the budget on their front pages, the Irish Independent is no different. And they're telling us the average worker will have over 1,000 euro back in their pocket through tax cuts and the once off cost of living payments as a result of next week's budget that's according to the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar there to the Irish Times and again budget story and uh, their front page, uh, page piece uh, telling us that several government departments have uh, not yet agreed uh, their spending settlements ahead of next week's uh, budget, uh, setting up a, a frantic final few days, I suppose, of negotiation there with the government. Also on The Times today, the British opposition leader, Keir Starmer. He's played down any suggestion of a referendum on the United Ireland being held in Northern Ireland, if he is the next prime minister, and it's certainly looking like that. But uh, he was speaking ahead of the UK Labour party conference this weekend and Mr Starmer said that questions uh, about any referendum on a united Ireland were absolutely hypothetical at this point and also on the, the um, Times today a wide range of international arms manufacturers would you believe have started to court the Department of Defence as Ireland seeks to significantly increase defence spending over the next uh, few years. The Irish Examiner And uh, again, it's uh, budgetary, and they're telling us that the health service already braced for record numbers on hospital trolleys this uh, winter now faces uh, swinging cuts in order to address its £1.1 overspend. And the health minister, Stephen Donnelly, and uh, the public expenditure minister, Pascal Donoghue, have had a difficult, and that's in inverted commas, a difficult meeting ahead of next week's uh, budget. Also on the examiner today, we're reading that uh, a nice man, uh, Charged in connection with the largest cocaine seizure in the history of the state, has said he was tricked and he deserves to be freed. And finally. Let's have a look at the Irish Daily Mail and their lead story centres around RTE and they're telling us that uh, RTE will be asked to waive legal privilege over a crucial document on Ryan Tubridy's secret pay deal which the state broadcaster had previously refused to uh, hand over to PAC. Now, the Oireachtas uh, Committee is considering compelling RTE to hand over notes from the meeting between its former Director-General D Forbes and Mr Tubridy's agent Noel Kelly in which... Uh, Miss Ford's agreed to underwrite the seventy-five thousand euro a year Renault deal uh, for the former Late Late Show host. So that story is still uh, trundling on for sure. Uh, that's uh, the headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you on oh eight three three double one double three double one. It's time for Johnny Luby. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Fran. How are you keeping? by? Well, more importantly, how are you keeping, Johnny? Because you're going to make us all jealous again because you're you're, you're overseas. Where are you, Johnny? <laughs>
2: Or the usual Portugal friend. Portugal, I see. We got a special offer uh, the, the other day, so I said we'd, we'd jump to it, get get out of Ireland while throwing everything at us, wind and rain and all that. So,
1: well, well, said, you're, you you we vacated the fourpenny road, as they say. So, so tell me, what what are you doing over there? Have you particular tasks, or are you just minding yourself? I'm just minding myself, and
2: really? I'm sitting here beside beside uh, the pool. Uh, I was out last night there in uh, Alvor in a lovely Italian restaurant. Oh, friend. very nice! Very it was tops. Now the food I had,
1: yeah, and, it, and of course you wouldn't get bacon and cabbage now in a an Italian restaurant. So, what <laughs> what did you eat last night, Johnny? <laughs> Lamb chop and chips. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All the rest of the tour, I actually went for spaghetti bolognese and every kind of a thing. And even when I finished up then for, for the dessert, I thought it was like custard. So I said, it was brulee or something. So I asked the girl that was given this stuff. I said, will you give, a, give me a knob of ice cream with it? So, Frank was absolutely beautiful, you know. And this morning, then I went for a walk at about uh, 5 to 6. And there is one person in Tipperary. I have full planning permission to ring him every morning to get up to date. And that's Tim Fly. So, I ring him at 5 past 6 <laughs> uh, to know what's happening in Tipperary. And right. this is what he told me, Frank. The yeah. county board draws on tonight in Gary Kennedy, he said. Mm-hmm. And that he met a woman from Noxia okay. or that area. Tell Frank Curry that uh, she has a photo of the Sacred Heart in her house, like most houses in Tipperary, but she has Frank Curry up <laughs> beside the Sacred Heart. <laughs> did you ever think? I said, to flight, I said, did you ask her? I said, who does she pray to? Is it the Blessed Virgin or is it Frank Curry? But uh, yeah, look, hey, oh, yeah. Tim has everything up to date. You know, he'd have the CIA results from Ross Grey and Clinalty and Gold and every place else. Mm. He's one of those great people that knows exactly what's happening. So he taught me last weekend they had a marvelous weekend themselves Newport. They beat their nearest and dearest port row in a relegation battle, so Newport stay up. But to the very thin line between staying up in the Premier and any any of the grades of hurling in Tipperary. Mm. I mean you look at Clinaulty, Ross Moore they were playing the Brackens and both of them would have been fancying themselves to be there or thereabouts in the senior championship. And lo and behold they ended up in the relegation semi final battle of which Clinaulty Ross Moore for ourselves in was Tipperary to his grand a senior club out there uh, and that's so hard to look to uh, uh, the Brackens the best I've looked to them in the relegation final and of course friend last weekend then it gave us the uh, finalists for next weekend uh, Tuller Sarsfield's A team senior team they play uh, mm-hmm. Kildangan in the county final that promises to be a mouth-watering clash and of course you have Sarsfield's second team they're in the Premier Intermediate final and they await the winners of Cashel and Laura Dora who played this weekend. Uh, That match was postponed last weekend due to the death of Timmy Maloney in Cashel, a wonderful young man from a tremendous family. The Maloneys would have been synonymous with Cashel. They were the fruit and veg Mm -hmm. for, I suppose, 60 odd years. Mm -hmm. And our sympathies today... Maloney Keane family on the death of Timmy he was a wonderful young man I miss him at umpteen games whether it was hurling or rugby with cash or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be a fine house scout so our sympathies and thoughts are with sure. the uh, family on the death of Timmy last weekend and of course our sales friend Golden Kilpeakle from a team that was in relegation we emerged victorious to be now in a county intermediate hurling final which will be played from what I'm told prior to the senior hurling championship final between the Southsies and Kildangan it's wonderful for or lives to get in and show their talents inside in simple Stadium but they take on a team that certainly fancy big time bowler and Dweller who beat the hot favourites money goal in the county semi final so I suppose going into the final Golden will have it all Golden Tulfield will have it all to do but uh because on the same day, uh, Borla Handwala, they celebrate the 25th anniversary of their winning the final in '96, the Senior Holding Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was postponed for a year or two dear, for, due to COVID and that, but they will have all guns blazing. They will have a huge crowd in there, so hopefully every man, woman and child will come and support uh, Golden Kilfeek the underdogs in the county final. And of course, then you have Tenolty Ross Moore, they play Bell Hinge in the county junior A final. Uh, maybe somebody might tell us who is in the B-final before uh, uh, we break up on the mm. uh, programme this morning. Uh, you have Clenolty Ross-Moore then in the final of the Camogie against uh, Drummond Inch. That's last uh, year's uh, retrial again, of which Drummond Inch emerged victorious. They're very strong. Clenolty Ross-Moore will maybe, at times lucky enough to get over Boris Lee who really have made tremendous strides. So it, that promises to be a marvellous final uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um uh, I would say the best wishes to Belly Cal, Holy Cross Belly Cale, I suppose to Belly Cal end of the parish on their night, tomorrow night, when they have the uh, Pat Stakelum, the legend, uh, and what he had done for hurling back through the years. He was on the Tipperary team in 49, 50 and 51. Pat was, a first cousin of my mum's, the Lord mercy on both of them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Pat Stakelum, uh, of course, would be Bobby Ryan's uncle. He mm-hmm. won, they both won all Ireland's as centre-back, and if that wasn't enough, his grandnephew, uh, Declan Hannan, who will be there tomorrow night. Captain Limerick for the three Islands in a row uh, mm. from centre-back. So they really dominated that uh, p- position, yeah. and uh, that so that promises to be a tremendous night uh, uh, there tomorrow night. Uh, Uh, Golden Kilpika ladies fan we're out tomorrow in the county uh, junior final we play uh, Borlehan again that game is in Salahead uh, at 2 o'clock the best of luck to them and win lose or draw Sarah May uh, cross her mum is in the post office in Golden Sheila Sarah May will be on duty in South Orleans tomorrow night because the rugby world cup quarter final game is on at uh, 8 o'clock and uh, there'll be huge crowds oh, friend, yeah. uh, in all the uh, public houses around because I suppose from the atmosphere and the crack and everything else, you know. And you have lads out there that, like myself, that don't know an awful lot about rugby, yeah. rugby rules and referees. Friend, uh, look, it's really tightened up, and yeah. when they can go back and show this there or this thing, you can see where fellas do a, a shoulder high tackles, and we all know a crooked line out, and we all know a forward pass, but does maybe see. Sixty or seventy other parts to the game that we we don't understand, really, you know. Uh, and that's yeah, t- and what, what do river. you make
1: of all that technology in the game
2: now, Charlie? Well, yeah, friend, I often wonder, you know. That uh, look, t- and then then, t- then it's down to the decision of the. Uh, television cameras mm. maybe uh, 20 seconds later to say to the high tackle or mm. whatever it is, and we wouldn't have seen it in the actual play and when you see it then uh, even simple things like uh, people not binding inside in a, a, a mall going forward and that kind of a thing mm. uh, when he's shown back then we all understand then but many of us don't understand uh, the rules mm. of the rugby game you know and I suppose talking about rugby friend just to finish on it uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock they play a team from the north called Coke C W O K E mm. in the quarter final of the All Ireland uh, Junior Rugby. That game goes ahead at two o'clock, and Coke had actually booked in. If you don't mind, friends, plenty of money around. i booked into the Palace says, uh, for forty wow. or fifty dinners, and uh, they stay, they, they stay in Indianer Hotel yeah. uh, in Tullus. So I said, if I knew the Coke. <laughs> The, the actual Coke that was serving up the food, I tell him, could you give him the runs or something? Because <laughs> it's about the only way that we might beat them. Uh, Coretti, friend, did you ever do Coretti?
1: No, I didn't. Funnily enough, Johnny, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: they'd possibly find it very really hard to throw you, even to you. Oh, dirty. <laughs> dirty. As Mud Crow says, he's at a quarter pounder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Tipperary Karate Championship is on in Golden GS Centre tomorrow morning at nine thirty. Kevin O'Sullivan, a world champion in this sport, oh. himself is the organiser, and a new one to Golden. One hundred and twenty lads taking part, uh, and they have the great Andy Maloney. Now he's not in the karate, but he's presenting the uh, prizes at around one o'clock. This so counselor Andy Maloney, is Councillor Maloney is uh, yeah, the counsellor. Yeah, okay, okay, good, excellent. Yes, well, Andy was a great, he thought he was a, a great referee, and one day he arrived up to Golden to referee a match, no boots, I gave him mine, he was taking 10s, I gave him mine size 9s. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, what, he was skimmed, uh all during the match. But, uh, yeah, and of course, friend, we have uh, Darton Burns in Clahalie, a young fella, he's parties in Van bridge house on the 14th of October, and it's the first time I've seen it, and fair play, play to a young fella, I'd be calling them fellas young now, mm. Uh Anything monetary is to the south tip hospice. Isn't it a wonderful gesture? Brilliant. You know, when ourselves yeah. we had our self-tip left by the morning, we haven't got the results yet. But it's still open until Wednesday. If you want to drop an old envelope into Sullivan's, the post office, or Eamon the butcher, hey, it would be appreciated. we trying good. to beat last year's you know, uh, 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 figure. I, I, I bumped and, into uh,
1: Shawnee from from the Bridge House on Saturday night. He was in Care House. I'll tell you this: he's some man to ballroom dance. You want to see him? Oh yeah! You yeah. want to <laughs> see him doing the the foxtrot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but
2: you see, he, he'd be always practising that, trying to uh, <laughs> uh, avoid catching the wife inside in the bridge. He'd be waltzing around on the outside. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, I met the Armshaws over here from Capel White, friend.
1: Oh, are they over there? Yeah, Eileen. Yeah,
2: yeah. They said yeah. an absolute, an absolute gentleman. They said that friend, Cody is. <laughs> How does he tolerate you on this? I, I, said, I don't know, but uh, uh, of I'm course, right. friend, we uh, I met Eamon Stakelem. Yeah, uh, he's from Tullus, one of these state clubs, himself and the wife and uh, friends from around the rag and the whole lot. We met him two or three nights. Wonderful characters and well able to uh, talk about the history of uh, all the hurling games and the farming aspects and the whole lot. Great people to meet, but I'll have their names, please God, for next weekend because I have to find out. Okay. But... Uh, yeah, the uh, everything friend out here. Look, I I saw a car parked up uh, the other night outside the Italian restaurant, and on the back of it was Satries of popcorn. <laughs> what do you think of that, friend?
1: They're selling in Alvor now, are they? Well done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> yeah, it was, up on a, it was up on a sticker behind, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was telling the ladies there a, a, a story, you know, years and years ago in all the parishes we all had, uh, I was, now I told this maybe a couple of years ago, but they asked me would I tell it again, so yeah. I told the girls last uh, night about Dr. Jack, he was a wonderful doctor in the dispensary in Kilfiegel and he was a man before his time, I mean he was a great man for cures and all of that thing but there was a woman in golden friend. she knew everything she knew two times five and a half divided by three and a quarter she could tell your deal and then she knew everything that was going on and here she arrived but she, her daughter had a thing called uh, uh, morning sickness mm. and she didn't know what was the cause of it so she went to Dr. Jack and she was there talking to five or six other women outside in the dispensary and she up and talking and the whole lot. And uh, Dr. Jack said, oh, uh, Brezelia, the her name, Brasilia uh, I'll see you now. Uh, what's wrong? He knew that she knew everything. Mm. But she said, I just can't figure out the daughter. She said, she has a, a shot at the other dose of this morning sickness. Could you tell us what's wrong? And Dr. Jack said, before I look at her, he says, what do you think is wrong? Or she said, I'd say it is water on the bowl. Anyway, she went in to be examined. She came back out and she says to the doctor, Well, was I right, doctor? He said, You're dead right, he says, but there's a fish in it. (laughs) 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 Wasn't it a grand way? Wasn't it a grand way way of of, uh, uh, telling things? Uh, Chris Tilly is here with me beside the pool, and uh, Chris was the man that I often told you about that worked with Mammy the Queen for a long number of years. He took a photo of me there, maybe. A while ago, and sent it into Snapchat on oh eight three three double one double three double one.
3: Right.
2: So uh, you'll, you'll probably see me now out in the togs and things like that. I mean, the man just after having a glass of water this morning and three grapes. I need, mean, I <laughs> need not tell you, friend. The going is tough out here, but the price of diesel and petrol, friend, has definitely gone up. But the amazing thing about it is the price of the taxis isn't gone up that much. Mm. You know, uh, there was uh, some band, some band playing last night uh, in the the Rory Max, and they actually heard of yourself and Muriel.
1: There you are now. You see, there you are now. Right, where
2: are you playing this weekend?
1: We're, we have our weekend away down in Ennis in, in the West County so we have three nights down there. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. With a, but this bloody, yeah, with
2: rug, marvellous...
1: this bloody rugby, Johnny, is doing us <laughs> untold harm. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: It has, it has done away with a lot of things, hasn't it, really? It I mean, has, the, yeah. world, the, the world the world is clued into it, even here in Portugal. They had a team in the World man. Cup this year but Ireland would... Look, I've not been uh, uh, overconfident or anything else. I would expect Ireland on the statistics Maybe two, they're something like minus ten pints, uh, they're even money. I'm not saying to have a shilling on him because with gambling and the whole lot, but that's the kind of uh, favourites that they are. Now I thought myself that they could win by at least fifteen points and then of course the price for winning is a game against the All Blacks. I think they received. This is the thing about it. I think they received an injury last night, uh, and that hopefully that player is fine and it's no problem at all at all. But it's uh, like everything else. Uh, any injury uh, on a first team player, they can be hard to replace, you know. And, oh, so uh, and how? From Scotland, uh, Johnny. I mean, yes, yeah, Scotland try not good. You know, what's the amazing yeah. thing about it is the grading. The grading was done three years ago, so Ireland ended up in the the wrong half of, as such, the real tough half of the draw. Because, oh. like, if you beat Scotland, you want to play as, uh, the the All Blacks, and if you beat them, then I think either France or South Africa, Wales, England are as good as in a semi-final of a World Cup, and they haven't played it. Like they play Samoa. Now, I would give Kilfeacle and Graham William. Joined up together, which probably won't ever happen, but a good chance of beating Samoa. <laughs> you know? but, uh, yeah, yeah friend, is, yeah. And, and of course you have the budget coming up prime next week.
1: Yeah, I know. What are you expecting in that, Johnny? Are we well, re- I expect, reading today I, that I, the Taoiseach said you'll have an extra thousand in your pocket uh, with all the happening in the budget. But your friend,
2: hey, listen, if the truth be known, they've been taken already, haven't they? Yeah, I mean like s- things have gone to the bloody roof yeah, beyond no, no, no. Uh, and that we're supposed to get uh, uh, something towards the electricity and all of that mm. now I don't know but it would certainly be appreciated but there's no you see they, they cause an awful lot of things themselves by putting up the prices uh, and that then they cause this inflation and that because the likes of the transport companies Eli's or Donovan's whatever else they naturally I asked Denny Donovan one day I said you're great to keep going to your journey so all we can do is pass it back to the consumer. Yeah and yeah, yeah, no. You know, he said he's costing huge bucks to keep transport on the road and that. So, yeah, I do expect that he would put up the cigarettes another 50 cent. Now, I'm actually smoking now, but the brand I'm smoking, I can get the same brand in Ireland for 16 euro and 30 cent at the moment, and here I can get them for 480.
1: What are you serious?
2: 480 wow. Yeah, and the Portuguese government, I'm trying to meet the minister while I'm over here <laughs> from Portugal that's, till that's, I see uh They're happy, thrilled with what they have out of the cigarettes at 480. Well, the Irish fellows must be singing all the way to the bloody bank. Yeah, but you see, you know, reckon, they're,
1: they're just trying to stop you smoking, Johnny. It's They yeah, have your friend, interest in reckon,
2: Yeah, we reckon a simple statistic, one in five smokes, that's one, maybe they smoke 20 a day, mm. all of them do. Uh, that's one packet, or that's uh, a million packets of cigarettes a day that's mm. been smoked in Ireland. If the Irish government have 12 euro out of it, that is 12 million a day. Wow. And 712 is 84, say 80 million mm. a week. 80 million by four-week month is 320 million. 320 million by 12 months is uh, almost 4 billion that they have out of it in vet. Wow. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: I'm glad you're doing you're the maths say- on this, not me.
2: Yep, yeah, friend. Uh, but thanks for the God for the one thing I was fairly smart at, you know. And do you know what's very important out here, friend? I done the lot the other night. I invested a tenner, and I got ten euro and two cent back. They they're big into this one cent and two cent. Wow.
3: Right.
2: Uh, and uh, whereas in Ireland it has disappeared. I mean, yeah. I was telling them like that uh, the fifty cent, uh, or even the ten cent. I said, imagine the twenty cent piece. Uh, is uh, the, the 10 cent piece or whatever it is, is bigger. Man. You know, it's hard to believe. Isn't it incredible? incredible but anyway, logic. look, listen, I still have the old money, which is very important. The <laughs> old green pound well, you, you, note.
1: You, you hold <laughs> on to that, John. They're inquiring about the GAA draw. It is Gary Kennedy tonight, isn't it? That's right, Jeff Frank yeah. is mm. absolutely.
2: Hey. Now, I know you're in it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Tim Flyde's number came up tonight saying that you're after winning a uh, bloody care? Oh, I'd like it, it Mrs. Burton here uh, where we stay in, London, in Portugal. I'd like it. I'd love if she won the care. Yeah. Because I... I got up sort to of join our county board draw, and uh, uh, and that uh, to be wonderful friend to yeah, come out well, even for a small team. Well, Wonder I, I, I paid. I rate. paid
1: Nellie O'Connor on the basis that I was definitely going to win a substantial prize in the in the well, draw.
2: if you paid Nellie, you have no <laughs> chance. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, friend, uh, don't forget the Carlsian in Golden tomorrow. Anyway, you, you can have a look at this. and uh, don't forget uh, the the the, the the jubilee team of ninety six. You might even go to the county final and shout for golden because we're we're looking for everybody and anybody to give the underdogs. Uh, and I will shout in the in the in the county well, who final. Knows? You, know. you, you
1: might find me there. Do you know what I'd love to know before I let you go, Johnny? Is how is it that your phone sounds an awful lot better from Alvor than it does from the Fourpenny Road? Um, what, what? See,
2: we didn't get in the uh, Snapchat or the Wi-Fi, whatever <laughs> they call it. Uh, yes, on the on Did the Fourpenny, <laughs> but this fantastic. You go over your friend. At the moment, it's 27 degrees. Right. You know, and I, I. you know, I've, uh, Catherine said to me the other night in the, in the uh, restaurant, she said, you know, you're supposed to drink in moderation. I said, I am. Yeah, but she said, it's moderation of wine. She said, <laughs> you're going from the wine, she says, to the race, and the race to the super box. Now, she said, you're going down to the O'Grady's, or the Linster House, or uh, uh, them. She says, and you're going across to Guinness. And she said, uh, IPA. <laughs> What Prime, is that's I an do? English drink. Oh, right. It's some kind of an English drink. and right. he's like, oh, I know Christy Lee is English, but if like all the English people, they're bitter. And <laughs> this is a <laughs> drink.
1: I don't believe you said that. Go on, enjoy the rest of your trip, Johnny. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank, Prime, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Look after yourself. You know, the great Johnny Luby there, live from Portugal once again for about the third time this year. Uh, Make was on, tell Johnny that smoking kills a plain load of people every two weeks. They are the facts, and it's shocking. Put them up to 50 euro a pack says Mick today. Uh, somebody else is wondering would Johnny be importing fags as it says here via Ryanair Johnny do something like that? Not at all not a bit of it um, 1800 938 007 we'll take a break back in just a moment
4: Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, you can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 06724111 or Slattery's Garage
1: We've been discussing the condition of our roads around the county and uh, some of the uh, driving as well, the reckless driving indeed and uh, dangerous driving. Um, And uh, we've been hearing from people uh, all week on this, um, texting and calling in, indeed, to share their experiences. Noel was in touch with us, and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Fran, and thank you very much for having me. Good to talk to you, Noel. You're talking to me about ramps, speed ramps, I guess, Noel, is it? Do you have an issue with them?
5: Well, I do, Fran. There's ramps going in left, right, and centre around Tipperary. But the one thing is they're not putting up signs to show that there's a ramp ahead, I have already brought this to the councillor's attention in that area, and he cannot get them to put up a sign. The, what, what the excuse was with them was oh, there's a light over the ramp that will do.
1: But it's very dangerous. I mean, if you don't know that um, a ramp is coming up and you yes. hit at that speed. And then, yeah.
5: And yeah. Th- that Pacific ramp is outside in Clarahan at the moment. Yes. As, as you go from, say, beside the church in Clarahan. Down that road, as you head out for the Barn Lodge, yes. that area, right? It's right and by the time you're up on top of it, friend, you actually know that you've you've damaged onto the car.
1: Right, and but, I mean, I presume there's a speed limit before it, though, is there?
5: There is. There's one ramp before it, and that says fifty. Okay. That's fifty, and then you 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 come up to the next one but you don't see it until you're actually up on top of it.
1: Right, but if you hit the ramp at 50, for example, I presume, yeah. you, you would do a lot of damage. Oh, you? no,
5: yes. The tracking is way off your car completely. Right. The tracking. And not alone that one, there's, uh, going to Marrifield, mm-hmm. there's, lo- there's a load of new, new ramps going in there. There's no signage at all. But the RSA is getting... The funny thing about it, the RSA is getting young people to learn the rules of the road and one, one of the
1: things the rules the road is signage. Sign, I mean, being able to read your signs, yeah. Yes,
5: and if the signs are not there, like how, what's the, what is the benefit of, of, of learning the signs?
1: Now, I presume, Noel, you're not against <coughs> the notion of speed ramps. You just want to, to, signage to say that they're there.
5: Can, can you repeat the question, friend, me
1: It's not that you're against the notion of speed oh, no. ramps. You, you just want some signage to say I they're believe,
5: there. I believe in slowing down Yes. Uh, having ramps there, right? Yeah. I, but all I'm looking for is signage, saying ramp ahead, slow down. Yes. Ramp ahead, slow down. Left and right of it. So people can know that there is ramps there. Mm. But according, according to the engineers... They say okay, in the EU legislation we don't need it, but then when we look for the the, the in paper, oh, they can they can never provide it to us.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you're ever going into to Galbelly, but uh, from Tipperary town, but there's two ramps there that are just. In, they seem to me to be incredibly high and I'm not sure about whether or not the signage for them because I almost seem to come up on them extremely uh, quickly. The ramps are different everywhere as well. I mean, there's it's, different styles of ramps.
5: Different styles of ramps. And well, I don't know, but what we're told is they're the Pacific, they're the, they're, they're the design of the ramps that's there now. Like, you can go in on top of them at 50 miles an hour and they won't do no damage. Mm. How his, how the engineers has come up with that information,
1: it based me. Right, well, I can't see how you could hit a ramp at 50 kilometres an hour and not, not damage. You certainly would get an awful fright anyway. You would, Jim. That's, that's uh, for sure. But, I mean, I like the notion of them because they'll slow people down in areas where there could be children and stuff. But, you know, your point is put up a sign to say that they're there, and then it'll be more effective, I suppose.
5: No, so I have bought this to every councillor and oh, each councillor's telling me oh go to that councillor in that area which I have done mm. and all they'll come back and say oh there's a light over the ramp, it'll do
1: Yeah well it'll do, is that good enough? No,
5: and, I have, and I've said this, I've actually uh, rang they said that they'll pass it on to the engineer, the engineer's came back and said that was it
1: yeah, um, it's it's interesting as well that you're talking to me about this in light of, you know, uh, the recent uh, um, pieces in the newspapers about how road projects have been stalled and seemingly because that we're not moving fast enough to repair our roads or to build new roads, the possibility is that we lose 77 more lives over the next uh, five years. Um, what about the state of the roads, Noel? How how are you feeling about well, that?
5: there's some roads that I travel on and they're absolutely a disgrace. There do roads they actually do roads that they don't need to do. Yeah. Now, I'll I'll give you one specific. I was above North common yesterday, and they've done the, the... Now, I know we're going away from Tipperary, but they've, they've done a road that was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Mm. They're spending money left, right and centre, and there's no need for it.
1: And, and you mean, whereas there's other roads that badly need some yeah, attention. Correct. Yeah.
5: They can yeah. nearly put the money into that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. One of our listeners was on to say Nolas writes uh, the Marlfield ramps are a disaster. They should be painted yellow for more disabilities, so or no. uh, visibility even.
5: I, I was uh, only told this the other day by one of the neighbours that they have a nickname on that road. It's called Pregnant Road now.
1: Why is it called Pregnant Road?
5: Because there's so many ramps in it. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's what the nickname is called. At. There's
1: Pregnant so many ramps in it, it's called Pregnant Road, they call it. Pregnant Road. Good God
5: Almighty. Like, it, 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 no, there's, there's actually
1: too many ramps in it now, Frank. Yeah, and um, somebody else is saying, though, Noel, that part of being a driver is to uh, be aware and to see stuff yeah. like the ramps on the road. Uh, you you won't have a sign. If somebody's lying on the road, you need to be taking notice. That's a kind of valid point, isn't it? Well, how
5: does say it? People are, are, are visual on, on the road, but the, the yellow, the white line, that's actually on the ramp at the moment. You cannot see them. Yeah. You yeah. cannot see them at all. Even my wife is sitting beside me in the car, she's like, Noel, ramp up ahead. Noel, ramp up ahead.
1: Yeah, somebody else saying, I think it's Pat, is saying that if you were doing 50k, um, you would see the ramp and you'd uh, do little damage to your vehicle. So there you go. Somebody else saying the ramp's in Drangon for over a year with no signs either. So you're certainly striking a chord here. And another listener saying, I feel ramps should be uh, marked in red instead of white. Uh, as yeah. If the sun is shining, you just won't see the so ramps. Especially
5: already. at night time, Yeah, You cannot see the ramps. Like yeah. I I came through Marrafield last night at 10 to 9. And you cannot see them ramps on the road.
1: Yeah, Sheila was on as well to say that you're absolutely right about the first ramp going into Clarehan, that it certainly needs a sign where that is uh, concerned. Yeah. Somebody else saying speed ramps are a disaster um, and saying that should like,
5: be done as, as, as an engineer's point of view, right, sure as God they can come up with something way better than a ramp that that does not need so much work. You can actually put in, you know these yellow lines that, that can let you slow down? Mm-hmm. Uh, put, in, put in a few of them instead of the ramp. So yeah. that when you drive into it, it'll actually make you slow down because the, the vibration of it will actually make you slow down. The, you, you, as I said to you before, friend, you don't need to go to total level education to know that much.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think the ramps are necessary, though, particularly in very built-up areas, because, I mean, you know, if you only have markings, I think, some people will will disregard them, and they'll be driving in a manner that might have people killed or badly hurt, you know?
5: People people are going to get hurt with these ramps, yes. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah. They do, you are going mean, to get hurt do you mean that they'll
1: actually cause an accident?
5: They sure. will cause an accident, yeah, because when people... Like I'll give an example. I'm, I'm seven years living in Tipperary, <clears throat> and only from my wife knowing where the ramps were. I wouldn't have it. There's going to be, um, how to say, accidents, and there's going to be claims going because people do not know what the ramps are doing. Say, for instance, um, if fella came out from, from Limerick and mm. didn't know where the ramps were. Yes. He's going to get. He's going to drive in on top of them. And he's going to cause a whiplash or he's
1: going to cause an accident, or... Right, but but nobody's listening to you. You're saying to me, Noel, isn't well, it?
5: No councillor is listening to me. Yeah, yeah. they're all telling me or oh, ringing and, and making complaints and all this sort of thing. There's no councillor, no council is listening to me. Well, no then, engineers
1: listening. Well, the people of Tipperary are listening <coughs> to you because I'm looking at the screen in front yeah. of me here, Noel, and it's lit up with. Uh, various opinions on ramps around the So a lot of people are engaging with this, you know. Well,
5: when the, the election comes up now the next time, they will listen because because there's there's an awful lot of people denied over to Tipperary all, all over these ramps.
1: Yeah, some people picking up on what you said about some of what's been um, happening on the roads unnecessary. Um, one person pointing out 3 to 4 k of road from Golden to Cashel recently uh, resurfaced. There was no need to do it. The surface was just uh, perfect. Yeah. And um, money should have been spent... Elsewhere, so on other roads, you'd correct. wonder wh- who's making those decisions and what's the criteria around those decisions, wouldn't That's you? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, All right, thanks. Noel. Well, you certainly have uh, got our text and WhatsApp running this morning, so thanks for that, Noel. And be careful on the roads, won't you?
5: I will. Okay, thanks, friend. Thank but, you very
1: much. about you? Now I only get it now what he meant about the road being called the pregnant road. It's the bumps. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit slow. <laughs> I'm a bit slow this morning. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven.
6: Tip FM's
0: Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Facon Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Facon the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Now, um, Noel is right. The N62 from Thirless to Horse and Jockey was done up uh, last year, even though it was in good order to begin with. Uh, but the N62... Uh, Templemore, third uh, to Templemore, is desperate, and there seems to be no intention of doing anything with that. The surface is disintegrating in stretches, and all they do is patch it. The hedges are growing out over the yellow lines on the verges, and narrowing the road, and I could go on. The RSA and the TII need to cop themselves on. Says is uh, one of our listeners. Somebody else saying Noel is gas. I can picture his car looking like the one up for Raffle on fa- on Father Ted. Uh, John was on to say uh, Noel is right. Barn Road out of Clarahan. The first ramp is fine. Uh, the one further down, there's no sign and it's very sharp. And meanwhile, we are begging to get a ramp near Nakavilla School for years where cars are travelling like lunatics. Joe was on to say that in Poland, they're using a new glow-in-the-dark technology for cycle lanes and ramps. And best of all, no electric power is needed for them. Uh, Poland is fast improving and uh, leading in many areas. There you go now. Somebody else saying, Borlaan, you need a licence to climb a mountain. The the ramp must be a foot high, it says here uh, on 0833113311. An exhibition of photographs from the late uh, Paddy Cashin will take place at Tipperary's Museum of Hidden History. And Marie McMahon is the curator and manager of the museum and she joins me now. Marie, good morning to you.
7: Hi, how are you doing? How are you
1: getting on? I'm very well indeed, Marie. Tell Just good. remind us about Paddy Cashin, first of all, because it's so a great, it's great story, isn't it?
7: yeah it's great um, he unfortunately uh Paddy after a lifetime of taking photographs in Clonmel passed away last year and the family were going through um his college avenue family home and they obviously came across a lot of his films um in little i think you probably remember a little small little black little little plastic tube with a mm. little grey lid on top of it but Ram there was it was full well, of yeah. yeah full of le- um um negatives mm. So, and all on the outside was um, kind of um, just the name of an event within those, within the capsule, and a date. So, all these uh, they came in with maybe three loads of um, USA tin boxes of all these maybe twenty little tubes inside of them. Um, So, thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures from 1977 up to the 1990s. Um, So, we started. So I kind of thought, you know, after the pandemic and everything, Mm. you know, nostalgia was a huge thing. People kind of really kind of felt, you know, nostalgia was a really important part of their life and things. So we kind of thought a local exhibition would be really great. Um, So we started digitizing all the images. Thousands, thousands, Michael um, here in in the office has been doing that since last September. So we've got up as far as nine. I'd say 19, late 1980s but what we'll have on display at the moment will be 1977 up to 83 and um, but they're just brilliant. like
1: they're And all sorts of events Marie, is it? all sorts?
7: Everything of- and anything, so from Debs to Garda dances, the printer's ball um, you know mm. uh, uh, trophies being won, soccer matches, um, really gorgeous pictures of uh, kids You know, a a fancy dress at schools, different shows, um, and just the cutest of faces. Um,
1: I can imagine, and And many of our listeners, I guess, could easily be in these photographs. Oh my god, unbelievable!
7: Like there's, there's people in those pictures that I recognise as adults now, and they haven't changed since they're children. You know. (laughs) Um in, and I'm sure there's probably pictures of couples that aren't that were just courting at the time. Yes. Um, like so there's loads of dances. There's there's a great picture of um I'd say old anxiein being played out yeah. <laughs> down in yeah. the Arms Hotel or Hearn's hotel I think. Yeah. And um but yeah, it be, it's it's just been fantastic. I'm working with um Helen and um Anne Um, Paddy's daughters have been phenomenal, you know, they've been such a a great support and I think it's been cathartic for them as well, you know. I'm
1: sure, but it must have been heartbreaking at times uh, as well because he was so fantastic to to cover all of this stuff and it really is a social history, isn't it?
7: Oh, absolutely because, like, you see the fashions, you see all these great images of um, five-star shopping centre opening right. and oh my God, like, talk about health and safety like, (laughs) the entire... Um, corridor, you know where the Robert is?
3: sure the I do, yeah, yes. yeah.
7: On the right hand side, it is thronged with people. I don't oh, even yes. know how it even got in the uh, the corridor. Um, fabulous pictures, kind of dubious Santas, um, some <laughs> just really, really great really innocent yeah. images and and because he, really was, really he was he was a musician
1: night. himself and he loved music as well i presume there's there's musical events as as well maria is there
7: there will be um, later on later uh, because we yeah. yeah we've like we've tied in with um, uh, um, the department have given us funding as well for different late night music nights so that's going to tie in with his whole oh, kind that. of love of music yeah. and Hopefully, we'll have some um, uh, the gardeners. He, he sang with in his mm, later life, yeah. and he set up Pat Cashin and his five-piece band.
1: Yeah, he played sax um, himself, didn't he? Yes, he
7: yeah, did. Yeah. Um, so we have that. Um, we'll have that on display after we launch the exhibition. But like he, he, he was a man of many, many um, strings to his bow. He, mm. um, like he, I think he worked in Bobby O'Brien's bakery at one stage when he left school at fourteen. Um, he went to London working, um, driving buses and a painter, and I think he worked with the council as well. Mm. But he also um, gave images um, uh, to the sporting press and to um, the Nationalist. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been great, and obviously, you know, he um, when his wife Alice passed away in 2007, he became very involved then in, in, in photography, and mm. um, just just generally I think the family are just really proud of the exhibition, and can't believe like th- there's been a lot of work gone into it, but you know, just people rem- remember him as Flash oh, Cash,
1: right, of course, and yes.
7: you know, and, uh, and uh, how, oh, how are daffer. you
1: presenting the photographs, Marie? How how does that
7: work? So that was a bit of a challenge because yeah. you don't want to just present them, you know. Mm. Um, you know, we could do it as a kind of contemporary exhibition, absolutely black and white, because they're all black and white images. Um, as the time goes on, they'll start moving into color, but mm. at the moment, they're all black and white. Um, so. We teamed up with um, the St. Vincent de Paul and they've given us uh, an eclectic mix of frames. So we've taken out all the glass, tied them all up. And so we've reframed A4 and A3 images, then Ah black and white images in the frames. But we've also kind of created like a sitting room effect because you you hung back in the 70s and 80s. You hung your photographs, your favorites. yeah. On your walls, in your good room, generally yes, um, yeah. so they 're kind of presented in that manner, so i won 't say a whole lot about it because it is it is quite uh, unique uh, the exhibition how it's how it 's um, hung and curated, mm-hmm. but there's a few there's one kind of particular nice surprise in there as well, um, but you have to really come in and, oh, and look at it but, yes. and uh, the other thing um, just Fran, if you don't mind me saying sure. is that um, we've no names on any of the images. Okay. Absolutely. No names. So we're asking the public to come in and have a look at the pictures and tell us literally like tell us who are who is in the picture. We'll have the images linked onto our website. So we'll have we, on Facebook or on social media or on the website. You'll be able to look for a picture and then write in the names who you think the people are. Um, there'll be comments that we can see, but people won't be able to see, and they won't be published. So, yes. and if people want to give us stories about flash cash, we'll hold on to those and add them to kind of like our object history file here in the museum.
1: That's, that's so, are you saying to me that the images are available online then, or will be available online? Is that
7: they will be available online, but and if anybody wants to get them printed, um, we've come up with a. Um, uh, we're working with the family that um, any money that's raised. Um, the images will be five euros each yes. and the money that will be raised will go to the museums um, developing the exhi- the our education and conservation projects but also they wanted to give half the money then to cry which is um, a particular um charity that the, the family were, were interested in so um yeah so basically each image will have a number and it's it'll be on the label beside it so we'll be able to identify it and find it where Love it is idea. but as idea, But then as the pictures then move on and we know the names, we'll take them off display and put up a new picture. So it will constantly revive and we'll move then over this year into um, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 90 and then onwards. So we'll we'll run it for um, a good number of months. um, Mm, I think
1: it's a fantastic idea, Marie. So when is that kicking off? Is it tomorrow?
7: It's tomorrow, um, Saturday morning. Yeah. So we're expecting, I'd say we'll, we'll expect a lot of people in um, over, over over the coming months. Uh, it's um it's definitely like anyone that has come in to have a little preview of it or kind of said, mm. please, can I have just a sneaky look? Um, they're like, oh, they, they could stay. You could stay for an hour or two hours looking at it and Very then come back idea. and, and for, then remember who the person was, you know.
1: For people outside of the area, they might remember um uh, Paddy in terms of his grandson Sam because of course that that wonderful piece mm. of video that went viral yeah. where he was cheering on uh, Sam yeah. in the Tour de France and he was beside the television yeah. it was just marvelous piece wasn't it Yes
7: yeah, yeah. and actually actually the uh, a company that designs t-shirts designed a t-shirt specifically for Paddy yeah. and everything that he said in that in that um, piece. So we'll have that on display as well, the T-shirt oh, and great. the video. Great. Yeah. And we'll have a piece on Paddy as well. Um, it'll be in next week. We haven't um, that up on display yet because we want to just uh, highlight the pictures at the moment. And then we'll be adding artefacts, his cameras, saxophone. T shirt and other um, elements uh, relating to Patty himself. Well,
1: we wish you well uh, with it, uh, Marie. I think it's a great, great idea, and I think it's going to be of huge general interest as well. Thanks so much for coming on with us, Marie. Thank you.
7: All and come in any you'd like to. as Look, well, friend.
1: Looking forward to it, Maria. i really, okay, really please. looking forward to it. Thank you and good morning to you. That's Marie McMahon there. And Marie, of course, is curator and manager of the wonderful Tipperary Museum of Hidden History. If you get any time at all, if you're in town shopping, make a little time to go in there because it's just a delight. Uh, news and information is coming up.
4: Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, Noel certainly caused a stir when he spoke to me. In the first hour about uh, ramps and he's feeling on uh, feelings indeed about ramps not being signed properly that they're they're coming up and uh, the like. Anne was on to us from Mullahone. Hello, Anne. Anne says, I agree with that man. I'd like to meet the engineers about the roads Uh, Sullivan's Cross, for example, just above the school in Ballingarry. It is extremely dangerous altogether. Uh, Somebody else saying that Noel is talking rubbish. Slow down and take your time. Turn on your lights at night and uh, you will then see the ramps. Uh, They're there to slow motors down and to protect all road users. And it goes on to question, does Noel have a full driving licence? I'm sure he has. Uh, Qualified engineers' advice should be taken before people's uneducated views. Everybody needs to play their part to achieve Vision uh, Zero. You know, I'm not sure that you're right about that because certainly where I, I, I agree with the notion of ramps. I think it's important. I think it slows people down in areas where there could be kids and schools and all of that kind of thing or maybe elderly people crossing the road or whatever. I think it's a good idea. But I do think there's uh, certainly issues around the kind of ramps because they all seem to be different, different styles of ramps. And certainly the signage, is an issue. I mean, I, I noticed that myself even going around the place. Austin was on and he says, Fran is a visitor from the UK who walks the rural roads. I've never seen the roads in such great condition. I walk the roads in North Tipperary an awful lot. I think the road folk are doing an absolute marvellous job. The only road I see needing attention is the N62 between Thurless and Templemore. But apart from that, most roads um, in North Tipperary seem to be in excellent condition without potholes. So that's Austin, who's a a visitor here and uh, walking on the roads. And that certainly uh, would be his uh, experience. Uh, The road from Foylet Clara to Dune is a holy show, Fran. Big potholes on the road. Um, I complained recently as my car got uh, badly damaged indeed in our area. No ring-a-link, no refuse collection. When you ask Eamon Ryan, what am I to do? No ramp going into the school where the cars are going mad. It's just unbelievable, says Margaret. Somebody else saying that man is right. That's referring to Noel. I'm travelling via the V into Capiquin with many years. And here outside of Capiquin on the Dungarvan Road, they're resurfacing a stretch of road that was perfect on the First place, no need for it. Uh, more in their uh, line to uh, head up towards the V where the road has been dreadful for many, many years. And that's Jim who's in care today. 1800 Now, Michelle O'Shea, is a person with a disability, a wheelchair user, and one of Tipperary's biggest hurling fans indeed as well. I've known Michelle for many years. She relies very, very heavily on day services from the Irish Wheelchair Association, and she has recently shared her concerns about the service on social media. I'm glad to say she joins me now. Michelle, good morning to you. Good
8: morning, friend. How are you going?
1: I'm very well I'm lovely to talk to you. It's been too long, Michelle. I hope you're doing okay.
8: Yeah, I'm playing now, bother.
1: Good, good to hear it indeed. You took to social media to express concern, I suppose, about the service. Would you tell the listeners about that, Michelle? Yeah,
8: because the IWA staff in Tiptown, they're due to go on strike in two weeks' time for more pay. Mm. They're looking for the same pay as HSC. Mm. So, I I was worried about it and I went to Facebook about it because it closed down last week because there were short staff because they owed staff back hours. Mm. And then I'd stay home and I couldn't go And I go in there every Tuesday and Thursday. And there's great banter and there's great morale in there. And the staff, uh, they do everything for us. Like, they go over over and above for us. Even during summer, they brought us out on day trips, say, to the seaside and shopping. And we go to concerts and all that. And um, I'm looking for everyone to help me. I plead for help if you read my my letter I, on Facebook I don't know
1: well there's, there's been a huge response to, to your letter and it was so honest you see and I think that's uh, what it is so the whole social aspect see, of, of is, what's right, happening I'm isn't speaking, that it Michelle
8: I have a disability as everybody knows but yeah. well, I'm speaking for everyone today in Ireland that has a disability and in Tipperary that goes to the day service because I really depend on that it that day, there was like last week we'd closed because we owed staff or Josephine owed staff back hours, and um like without that day, there was I'd be sitting at home and I've no doubt. Look, I depend on that bus for everything, so I plead uh, to, to the politicians and the government to give them their, their um, the money they're looking for. They're looking for it to be paid the same as the HSC and.
1: Mm. And and the difference in pay there, Michelle, I know, is about four twenty an hour. For instance, the people working with the wheelchair association, they get about fifteen euro an hour, whereas somebody in the HSE with a similar job will get over twenty euro an hour.
8: I think there's uh, four euros and sixteen like um, of a difference per class class. hour. Yeah, yeah, per um, hour. Like we're like a big happy family in there. They really work over and above. Like as I was saying during the virus, they came visit me once a week, and they. They, they uh, rang me twice a week to check in to check in with me to see was I okay. I'm a really happy-go-lucky bunch. It's all a bit of fun-like.
1: And in terms of holding on to staff, is it difficult for the IWA to hold on to staff then, well, Michelle?
8: Well, it is at the minute because a lot of our staff left to, 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 to go to the H C because they were getting more money. Sure, yeah. So yeah. we're short staff at the minute.
1: And I presume recruiting staff then is difficult as well, is it?
8: It is, because I suppose they don't want to work for the money, like they probably want to go somewhere where they get extra money.
1: Yeah. Now, I know that we, we sent um, an email to the IWA, and it's interesting because there were two pay cuts um, in 2010 and 2013 for IWA employees. Now, since then, the HSE went on to restore pay rates to HSE workers but not to the Irish Wheelchair Association workers I
8: mean the Irish Wheelchair Association in, in my book the Tipperary, uh, thought, but they're absolutely brilliant and they're doing the same work as the HSE so I can't see the problem like that they can't give them the extra money they're looking for mm. and at the end of the day if they go on strike and they don't want to go on strike friend they don't mm, want to of course, yeah. but if they go on strike at the end of the day it's only a person with a disability and all the day service users that are going to suffer no one else.
1: And will you have further situations there where you'll have to stay at home because there's a shortage of staff? And
8: I cl- st- All last week I had no service. I go in every Tuesday and Thursday and I had no service and like I depend. Uh, they're my friends and I look forward to It's an it. It's an outlook for me like and that's all I have is the wheelchair and I depend on them for everything. Like you probably have transport, you can drive. Sure. I can't drive so I depend on that bus to bring me shopping, bring me to the match, bring me to the pictures, bring me to the concerts, bring me to see those phones if I want to go, do you know what I mean? Shopping or anywhere like that.
1: And have you concerns about the future of the association, Michelle?
8: because yeah, if, it, if, it, if it continues on, on a, if the strike continues on on a continual basis, so who's going to suffer? Only us. Because we'll have to stay at home. But I think a person with a disability is completely forgot about in society because at, at the end of the day, if the lads don't get their money, there's no one else going to suffer, only, only us and we have a disability because we depend on them for everything. And as I say, I'm not, I'm not just speaking for myself today, I'm speaking for all the lads that use the, the day of service.
1: Well, you know, local politicians, the councillors and the TDs, they tend to listen to the programme, Michelle. So, directly, what are you saying to them today?
8: Well, we had discussions about this strike during the week, and Jocelyn, she's she's the manager of um, the centre in Tip Town, Jocelyn Carroll, and Jocelyn's great and daring and everybody, but um, we wrote to every politician and every councillor, but the only one that showed up for a place to Martin Brown of Sinn Féin and Mary McGrath of The Independent, they came and they spoke to us about We didn't hear anything from anyone else.
1: Nobody else showed up?
8: Um, A couple of the councillors did, but the only two of these that turned up was Mary McGrath and, and um, Martin Brown. And
1: what is that saying to you, Michelle? Sorry? What is that saying to you, the fact that only two of our TDs turned up?
8: That's what I'm saying. Like, they don't care, friend. They don't give two hoots. But at the end of the day, I need you to help me now. Like, this is more important to me than going to... Yeah, I love Holland, but at the end of the day, Holland is only for the summer and, and the temporary um, IWA keeps me going for the whole year. So I need that centre to stay open 24-7 and I need them to get the money that they're looking for because if they don't, who's going to suffer? Me and everyone else, that have a disability.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, we're hearing about the huge overrun of money in the HSE, for example. You know, huge amount of money being spent, a huge amount of money in their budget every year. But uh, they can't satisfy the IWA employees.
8: That's what I'm saying. Um, like, I think a person with a disability is forgotten about because nobody cares, them about a person with a disability. It's gone on too long now. And I'm talking about in society and everywhere.
1: Do you really believe that, Michelle?
8: Yes, I do. It's an uphill
1: up, an up struggle for us every day. Yeah, because last week we were talking about, or was it earlier on this week, in fact, about you know, wheelchair users trying to get around our footpaths and people just parking on top of them and not caring. Is that your experience, Michelle?
8: Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying, friend. and thank you, you always help me if I raise an issue, and thank you for doing that, but I think it's a, it's a, an uphill struggle every day for a person with a disability, but I think it's gone a bit far now, because if if the staff in the IWA don't get their money, like how long, Like if the strike goes on on a continuous basis, it's us that's going to suffer and no one else, so what will I have to do if I have no, if I have no service, where will I go, uh, who will help me, nobody will help me, because nobody will give two hoots,
1: well, that's the feeling you're getting at the moment, is that just people don't care.
8: Well, I'm just speaking from my heart and I'm telling
1: you the I truth. Yeah. And uh, do you know what you're saying to me this morning? I, I'm sure it will shock a lot of people to, to find that you believe that, Michelle, because we know you as being an easygoing person. You're always up for a laugh, a bit of crack and all of that. But but what you're saying to me this morning is very serious. Oh, yeah, because
8: if, 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 if it goes on a continual basis, like... To us and and all the other service users that use the day service in Tipperary, that's going to suffer, and me and everybody else. As I said to you, I'm not just speaking for myself; I'm speaking for everyone that has a disability in Ireland.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in terms of your mental health and all of that, I mean, is, because this is such a concern to you, is it?
8: When we went to the day service, it cracked. So if you have a worry on your mind, which some days you might, like everybody else, life is not a bed of roses. And that that, that keeps the worry off your mind, because we have porn and we have crack, and that's what I look forward to going into. And if I don't have that, then I'm just sitting at home every day looking at the four walls. Like last week when when we were closed because there were short staff, I was just sitting at home looking at the four walls.
1: That, that, that is just heartbreaking. You know, that is really heartbreaking. And and your concern is that that may happen more and more unless something is done about this because you're losing workers all of the time.
8: Yeah, that's why I appeal to the HSC and the government. I mean, the governments are all talk. So now I appeal to them to, to, to give the IWA the money they're looking for, the staff in the IWA. Because sometimes the governments are all talk. But now I appeal to the government. It's the government... The, and to give them the same money as the HSC. It's all right for you, friend. You can walk around, you have your health. But how would a, per, um, a TD, if they had a person with a disability in their family and the day of service was cut, how would they feel about it?
1: Well, I'm sure they'd feel badly about it. And you're right to point out that I can get around and I can drive around. You see, and those of us who can do that, sometimes we forget about the difficulties that people like you would, would, would be experiencing, Michelle
8: to you friend, you always hit me down through the years
1: and thank you Well you, no need for thanks at all we're always, always delighted to do so, so we're putting it out there today, you're looking for some serious support right now from our five TDs and from all of our councillors as well
8: Yeah but I did say Maha McGrath of the Independent and, and Martin Brownish, and has been fair places to the two of them they turned up and they spoke to us right. and, and, and Declan Burgess came yesterday as well
1: Right and did you get any correspondence back from the other TDs, for example? No, so they,
8: the the, uh, the, they were the only two that came, Matt Brown and Mary right. McGrath. And,
1: and you you did write to them, to all but of I them, But I didn't, did Josephine did. Josephine
8: She's did. the manager of the okay. centre, and she wrote to them.
1: So she wrote to all of them. And do, do you know, did she get apologies, or did she get... She ex- got
8: an apology from Ellen um, what's it, Ellen Kelly. He said he, he apologised that he couldn't come, he couldn't make it. Right. But that but that she didn't hear anything from the rest of them. Okay. But only two T only two TDS turned
1: up. Okay, well, let's put it out there to all of the TDS today that you need their help and you, you need them the to speak up.
8: And me as well. I'm asking the listeners to ring in, and I want their advice and what do they think about it? Because at the end of the day, I'm really looking for help now. I'm at the end of my tether about this.
1: Yeah, well, you're you're a brilliant spokesperson for for the organisation and for other service users as well, Michelle. So do keep that up. You know. Is somebody saying that you should run for election for people with disabilities? You speak so well and uh, you get your point across so well. So there you go. Maybe that's an idea, Michelle?
8: No. No, I had a big interest in the wheelchair because my father was in the wheelchair as well. So if I can help them out any little bit, that's what I'll do.
1: All right. Okay. Well, it was great to talk to you today, and uh, we wish you well, Michelle. And we will push this, and we will see what we can get done. Is that okay?
8: Yeah. Maybe you'll try and push it for me, friend as well, and ask people what they think out there. Your listeners, ask them to ring in in for me, and ask them what they think.
1: Okay. Let's put that out to listeners now. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. What do you think when you hear Michelle's story? What do you think about that? Or you can talk to. Okay,
8: friend. Thanks very
1: much. All right, Michelle, look after yourself, Dose. Take it easy. Bye-bye, Dose. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And that's uh, Michelle O'Shea. Michelle has been a friend of mine for, ooh, I'd say, 30 years or more at this uh, point. Uh, huge Tipperary hurling fan. But as you can hear there, a great advocate indeed for service users and indeed for the Irish Wheelchair Association as well. 1800 938 007. Back in just a moment.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Facon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Facon, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: Many compliments coming in uh, for Michelle there on uh, how well she represented people with uh, disabilities uh, this morning. Many people making the point that maybe she should consider. Um, running for for um, election herself. Uh, Martin Brown was on to say well done to Michelle uh, this morning and uh, you and the other service users and staff have my full support, says uh, Martin. That's into us on oh eight three three double one double three double one. Now we've been Discussing various aspects of healthcare and hospital services and trolley figures and all of that uh, over the last uh, while. Many of our listeners have been sharing their experiences with us, and Maura was in touch and joins me now. Maura, good morning to you. Good morning to you, friend. Uh, good to talk to you today, Maura. God knows, I've been looking through the list here. You've had uh, a fair number of health issues, Maura.
9: Oh, my God, friend. Um, it started off last April when two of my medications, I suffered from bipolar disorder. Yes. And I have done for 28 years. And the market, they were taken off the market by the government. And that led me then in June, unfortunately, to a bad episode of bipolar. And then I got hearing problems at the same time, um, but I'm partially deaf. And my biggest problem is I have a varicose vein with a pain, friend, that I'm up all night. I might get two hours sleep if I'm lucky. And um, basically, I was told last week, that I would have to wait for another year for the operation.
1: My God! Even though you're in pain, in pain all of the time, Maura.
9: Yes, uh, friend. My, my GP, God. I won't mention his name now, yeah. has written an urgent letter. But I don't know if that's going to make any difference. The private list unfortunately, is longer than the public.
1: And I, I presume, Maura, that, you know, if you're in pain an awful lot, that certainly doesn't help where a mental health disorder like bipolar is concerned. So it's oh, one God. thing play, playing into the other.
9: Yes, friend, definitely. Yeah.
1: Um,
9: I can't fault my mental health team in St. Vincent. Um, mm. I've got top-class treatment for the last 28 years. They have never let me down. Um, it is, friend, I with no sleep. Um, I'm irritable. Um, yeah. I actually don't know how I'm actually functioning at the moment with the lack of sleep and the pain. But I have some kind of a drive in me to fight. Yes. But it's hard. It's not easy when you're in pain constant. And I went from a good sleeper to waking up every couple of hours. I'd be up for two hours, relieving a cramp. <laughs> Excuse me, Frank.
3: Mm.
9: And then I'd be looking if I get two hours sleep in the night. So what's happening lately is I have to go back to bed during the day when I can. And um, if you hear anyone phoning you in saying there's a lady going around Chipperary dancing and making scrunchy faces, it's because I'm in pain and I love music.
1: Yeah,
9: And have. that keeps me sane.
1: Well, I'm I'm delighted that it keeps you you, you sane. but it's not. I mean, if you're not getting sleep, as I know myself because I don't sleep well, but if if you don't get sleep, it leads to all sorts of other issues, doesn't it, Maureen? Like, oh you,
9: God, you know? definitely, friend, yeah. definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, uh, t- tell me more about the meds where the bipolar is concerned. The medicines you were on for years, they were taken off the market. Is that what you said? No, that's
9: to me? right, friend. They were taken off in April. Um, a tablet called Seroquel and Dalmain.
1: And w- w- was it replaced with something else then?
9: Maura? Yes, it was replaced with two more Zapatin and a Travacol.
1: Now, I presume because I know a bit about this, but it it, it takes a while then to acclimatise to a new meds. To that's new meds, right, friend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and, and
9: it messes up everything else.
1: Yeah, and that wouldn't um, help where sleep is concerned, either, I presume.
9: No, but the thing about this friend, what I'm trying to explain, I've been very vocal about my mental health mm. always um I tend to wear, and I've been very vocal about helping people if I can
3: yeah
9: but um what people tend to think that when you have a mental illness, unfortunately that comes with it, that everyone just says, "Oh,, she's grand, she
5: there's no
9: pain there, it's our mental health." When actually, at the end of the day, the two come into contact with one another, the physical and the mental.
1: Of course. But I mean, you'd want to know very little about humanity to make a statement that, you know, mental health doesn't cause oh. pain. Sure, it's the most damning kind of pain, isn't it? Because it affects your soul and your heart and, you know.
9: That's for definitely. Well, I tell you, friend, only for music and nature. That's what's keeping me going uh, every day. I love looking at the skies, all nature. It kind of distracts me from the pain.
1: Oh, my God. How, how long have you had uh, mental health issues, Samora? Uh,
9: 28 years. 28 years, yeah. And oh, thankfully, I've been lucky. Um, I did spend some time in, in Clan Mail in the beginning. Yeah. And with a great team in St. Vincent, I've been very, very lucky with my mental health. It's been treated. And any time I feel there's something wrong, I just pick up the phone and I'm seen to it.
1: So there are aspects of, you know, health services that work well and effectively, Maura.
9: That's perfectly right, um, yeah. friend. But unfortunately, our health system, I'm not the only one on the way in this, I presume, and um, our health system is not fit for purpose at the moment when I think I'm sitting here in pain constant day and night. And I have tried everything to get into San Mel or any place, have surgery done to relieve this pain.
1: And did you tell me that even from a private point of view, there's an issue with with waiting lists?
9: Unfortunately, friend, with the public list being so long, the people have jumped to the private list ah. from the public, and now the private list is actually longer than the public.
1: My because my understanding of varicose varicose vein um, surgery, for example, is that you know it's relatively easy to do. It's 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 always effective, I think. You know so.
9: It's a morning. It's a day operation. Is it? Yeah. You go in in the yeah. morning. You come home in the evening.
1: Yeah. So it's not as if you'd be taking up a bed or, or no. anything for for a long period of time. Um,
9: no, uh, friend. It's just it, it's frustrating because yeah. I'm I'm very conscious of my mental and physical health.
1: Yes, of course.
9: And I attended the other colleges I got my hearing started and all that, and every, and the mental health side of it. But, but this is really a block. I've been in contact with several Tds and I have heard nothing back yet.
1: And you've been in contact with them, but is it that they didn't reply to you, or they can't help you? or? Uh...
9: One replied to me, and he replied last night now, and I gave him all the details again. Right. Um, I haven't heard from him since, but the others, I have not heard nothing back.
1: Thank God. And are you on painkiller then for what's happening with the, the varicose veins? Is it... I'm
9: on Nurofen, uh, friend. It's the only tablet that's I can take 400 milligrams of Nurofen with my other medication. Yes, okay. But it takes it for a few minutes, that's it.
1: All right, Maura, well, look, we wish you the very, very best indeed, and we'll check in with you and find out how you're doing. And thank you so much indeed for coming on with us uh, this morning. That's uh, Maura, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is only 3311 3311. We'll take a break and we'll be back with more tip today in just a moment.
6: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry
0: In association with Slatteries of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slatteries Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. SlatteriesGarage.ie
1: The Diocese of Killaloo is undertaking a year-long initiative to encourage men to consider joining the priesthood and visits to parishes across the diocese commence. Uh, next weekend in Ennis, uh, followed by visits to uh, Nina, to Burr, and uh, to Castle Connell uh, during the month as well. I'm delighted to be joined on uh, the line now by the Vacations Director, and that's Father Iggy McCormick. Father Iggy, good morning to you. Good morning, Clem. And good good to talk to you today. Um, God knows you're busy enough uh, because you're also Principal of St. Flannel's uh, College in, in, in Ennis. So, where, where do you get the time for all of this? There's lots of times, the seven
10: days in a week, so we, we do our best to fill them up as best we can.
1: Yeah, well, very good. You're certainly doing so, indeed. Uh, tell me about this. And looking, what what state are the parishes in currently, where priests are concerned? So uh,
10: it's a national campaign that's under being undertaken by the Irish bishops for all locations of the priesthood right across the country. And this campaign is what we've decided to do about this in the diocese of Killaloo. Because we have 58 parishes, so going from County Offaly right back to Carrig in, in West Clare and, and everything in between. So we're third, the third largest sizes geographically in the country. And 27 of the 58 parishes don't at present have a resident priest. So uh, one of the parishes there in Tipperary, for example, um, Temple Derry, doesn't have a resident priest. So it's service from the priest in Nina.
1: And in in terms of looking to the future, for for example, are there any young men in training at the moment, or any men yes, in training, not just young had
10: men? A, we've, had a, we've had a good uh, year, so we have three gone to the seminary just in recent weeks. So two are gone to Validate in Spain to do what's called a proper duty year, or pre-seminary year, and another young man has started in uh, Maynooth. So we've three in formation at the moment, it's as good as we have been for quite some time, so building on that success we're hoping to do better into the future.
1: Who are you looking for specifically? I mean, who you know, sometimes I get the idea that a vocation is that sort of road to Damascus experience father, you know, where you're you suddenly hit by this notion that you want to be a priest but in reality is it a much more gradual thing? Is it a kind of like a niggling thing that might go on for some years?
10: I think it is something that goes on for some time and in the three men that we have gone to seminary one is in his middle 30s and the other two are just turned 40 and i'd say it has been a gradual thing for all three of them and they're acknowledging a realization that something was always there something was always drawing them or calling them to priesthood and they've decided now in this moment to try and do something about that or make it happen
1: so if there are people listening to us today who might have that niggle going on in their mind for a couple of years how can they act on that what what would your advice be to
10: them I'd say you could certainly talk to a local priest if you wanted to do that or you can certainly get in touch with me vocations at killaloodioces.ie that's the email address for this campaign and and they can certainly uh, shoot me off an email and I'd be more than happy to get back to them
1: and the kind of person you're looking for in terms of qualification for example or background who
10: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the Lord doesn't call us because we're qualified, but hopefully he qualifies those whom he has called. So there is no particular qualification required or needed. I suppose obviously it's a person of faith and a person of good faith and deep faith. Other than that, there is no great qualification required. And You know, he calls the first 12 he called were average, and, you know, uh, the the rest of us are quite average too. So he doesn't call anyone with a particular qualification.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's I mean, I, I don't mean to put people off, Father Iggy, but it's a tough life, isn't it? It's not now. It's a great life. Do you think so? I, yeah. I have to say, yeah, I'm 26 yeah. years a
10: priest and I've had such a range of wonderful experiences. I began in Tipperary and North Tipperary in the parish of Tumivara, where I spent three very happy years. I've both members of TIP and I went back to college then and studied um, for the HDIF in Trinity to, to teach. I came to Ennis. 22 years ago, and I'm in the college ever since, but I also help out in parishes. I've helped out in Kamele and Quinn, and I'm helping out now in Ennis Parish itself at weekends and, and every morning uh, at 23rd March. It's a wonderfully diverse and wonderfully marvellous life. And obviously it has its difficulties and it has its strains, but every way of life has that. Single people will tell me that they have difficulties and strains in their lives. Married people will tell me that at times there are difficulties in that way of life too i suppose it depends on how well the life is lived and it can be a good and a very fulfilling life
1: it's a changing church of course father iggy at the moment it's sort of in transition i suppose to to some extent would, would you go along with that i would absolutely agree with you there so when i went
10: to the seminary uh, uh, in 1990 i was 17 years of age i was very young and um, my father was delighted my mother even though she was quite devout, was less delighted because she felt I was far too young to take on that way of life, but I felt so strongly about it. I I pursued it, but in that 30 years there has been monumental change in the church. And, you know, the scandals have deeply affected us. We are deeply ashamed of that part of our past, and we apologise for it unreservedly. Uh, But as vocations director, with one eye on the past and deeply conscious of that part of our past, I have to have one eye on the future as well and to try and plan for the future of the Church in the Diocese
1: of Killaloo. Of course, and if a man presents himself to you, for example, Father Iggy, and he says, you know, I've had this thing that's been in my mind for quite some time, what do you say to him? I mean, how, how do you encourage him then?
10: So we then uh, go, go uh, with that uh, candidate through a period of, of accompaniment. So I would nominate a priest or religious to accompany a, a, a that person spiritually, for about a period of one year or maybe longer if that's needed. And and we, we decide then with the candidate whether this is uh, right for them or not. And then there's also different forms of assessment that must be done. Mm. So there's a psychological assessment done as well to make sure that, you know, the person is coming into this for the right reasons and the right motivations. So we will accompany a person over a period of time. They wouldn't sort of present to me today and go to the seminary tomorrow. So there, there's a process that we go through with the
1: candidate. Right, and obviously the Church has learned over the decades that this is the proper approach, is to give somebody time to grow into the vocation, I suppose.
10: Absolutely, and even when a person goes to the seminary, you know, if, they, if they're older and they're, you know, um, have been out in the world of work, I did seven years of Manu, the new, but the newer candidates maybe would do four or five. So they have a long period of time in which to decide whether this is right for them or not. mm mm-hmm.
1: And by comparison with somebody like yourself, a 17-year-old, you know, acting on their vocation and going, do you think somebody who's older, they bring a bit of life experience, I suppose? Is is that helpful, do you think? Yeah, because one of the candidates that has gone ahead now is a primary
10: school teacher. Or one of the other candidates that's gone ahead is a biochemist, and he was leading a team of biochemists in a multinational company oh. locally. So they do have great life experience, and they're bringing all of that with them.
1: All right, if people want to find out more, then what's the best way to go about it?
10: Well, our our diocesan website is kildoodioces.ie or as I say, the email address for this campaign is vocations
1: at All right, Good to talk to you today Father Iggy and thank you for Hi, your thank time. Thank you for having me on. You. You're welcome indeed thank you good morning to your Father Iggy McCormick there who is Vocations Director and also busy man because he's Principal of St. Flannins in Ennis as well, a very fine college there. 1800 007 now for this week's Down Your Way my good friend Eamon O'Doire is in Centenary Co-op in Thurless they're celebrating 125 years in business. Eamon began by talking to uh, Eamon Bergen, who's Deputy Chief Executive of Agriculture at Centenary, on how important Centenary has been to the local um, community.
11: To celebrate and maybe look back and think of the founding fathers 125 years ago uh, who would have bought shares in the co-op and set up in harder times than there is today. And they saw a vision. And uh, after 125 years... We're we're still in operations and we're still going strong. And listen, it, it is it, <coughs> it is down to a number of things. And you know, be, being the, we 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 depend a lot on the locality. Um, we have loyal customers, very good staff a strong board of management and that's the secret of 120 years, but I, it's people who, who made the co-op, I think in the past, and that's who we remember tonight as well as the people here who, who are here celebrating, but people who aren't in us and mm-hmm. people who are retired, and I'm talking about former chairman, board members staff members, you know it's 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 their night as well um, that we we are remembering.
12: Absolutely, yeah. When you think of a hundred and twenty-five years, whoever can think of it, there's nobody here, of course, naturally enough. But their children or maybe their grandchildren uh, will be able to remember. But it's just an amazing thing. The kind of people that set up co-ops in in, in those days, you know, were
11: just uh, they really have to be accredited with a fantastic celebration. I think so. I when you think about it, centenary centenary co-op itself was set up in 1898. It was the the reason it was called centenary was it was it was 100 years from the rebellion in 1798 mm-hmm. and we celebrated our our 100 years in 1898 uh, Turles Co-op would have celebrated their, their centenary 100 years in 2002 mm-hmm. and then the two co-ops would have amalgamated in 2005 mm-hmm. so listen, both co-ops have great tradition, great history and uh, together we go from strength to strength yeah.
12: It's just amazing, it's only a number of weeks ago I was in a drum band celebrating 125 so I presume it was around that period, 125 years, all co-ops were generally founded.
11: Yeah, well, Horace Plunkett is the man who was behind the idea of the co-ops, and obviously he saw something um, that, you know, the, 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 the benefit of the co-ops. It was a, they, they saw the, the advantages of, of working together, and I suppose even today the challenges, there are still challenges there that, uh, the, that people face, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's the co-op model that, you know, even back in, when the the economic crisis came in 2005 2008 you know the benefit of the co-op and the yeah. covid part of the service it was, it was providing to farmers yeah. and customers and employees and i think um, there's a book there our chairman um, paddy paddy Daly is our chairman of the board and i think paddy said he just mentioned one point I, and we're we're a medium to medium sized co-op I, I i think 139 million per annum is directly pumped out into the into into the catchment area and in multiple effects you know that that turns a number of times and i think he, the 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 estimate is i think from 400 to 500 million contribution to to rural Ireland in, a, in, in in an area that needs and there is other businesses contributing as well but it is important for the fabric of rural Ireland that uh, that yeah, this continue tribe, that, yeah. yeah yeah
12: tribe and body of course but of course we have, we're talking about the kind of uh, the amalgamation of the two co-ops yes. in 2005 as well uh, how did that move come about
11: well as I said, both of us celebrated our our, 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 celebra- our, our anniversaries around the same time. And it, it, In 2005, it was decided that for the benefit of all shareholders, that for the yeah. for Turles and Centenary, it was for the benefit of, of the, the shareholders. And the, the shareholders voted to amalgamate and being together, it has added strength to the, to the, the society.
12: Absolutely, yeah. You're, you're talking about uh, Balladouf and that area and you yeah. had Timbermore and all the different links yes. Or small co-ops around the place it was just sunny magic isn't it yeah. oh
11: yeah like, we, we have 8 agri branches uh, 5 home and garden branches you mentioned Balladduff and mm-hmm. a very good feed mill in Balladuff, feed and grain um, uh, uh, buying native cereals from farmers in the catchment area, turning around and sending them back out feed—it's you, you talk about carbon carbon footprint. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't have anything more sustainable. And you know, deal you definitely could write the book down here. You, you could. It's, it's the, we talk about we talk about climate change. We talk about carbon footprint. You you could, you know even the Turles fresh milk brand um, and the Tipperary fresh milk. The milk is gathered within 15 km of the of the plant, and mm-hmm. it's distributed out to 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 shops and supermarkets and local businesses and houses, mm-hmm. and within a catchment area. And again, we're talking about uh, really really sustainable business. That mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, the point I would make is, it it needs it needs protection. It needs it needs to grow, obviously, and. It, it 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 it's something that we all should support.
1: And that is Eamon O'Dwyer there speaking to Eamon Bergen, deputy chief executive at Centenary. <coughs> Excuse me for this week's Down Your Way program, and of course you can hear that in its entirety on this coming Saturday morning at ten a.m. Excuse me. And now, just some more of your correspondence uh, with us. I was speaking to Father Iggy there about the notion of vocations. And uh, one of our listeners says, Women priests we need, Fran. Why can't a nun be a priest? After all, a nun has given her life to God. We pray Virgin Mary and other uh, similar entities. Nuns make brilliant priests and... Um, OK, and it goes on to say about God's word and teaching. And so, um, yeah, but of course, you know, that hasn't been given the nod by the Vatican yet. And we're not sure will it ever happen, I suppose, even though people have been calling for that for for generations, I suppose. Um Somebody else saying, well done to Michelle this morning. Uh, able-bodied people can decide when they choose to have their personal care. People with uh, disability who require assistance will be impacted if the strike goes on. Physical impact on their bodies, mental health, skin care, oral care. Who will run errands for them? Ensure they have nutritious meals. Uh, PAs give assistance with meal preparation where needed as well. Maintaining safe home environment. Social inclusion. Uh, living independently with support community day services, transport services, and all of the vital services for people with disabilities. Imagine if all of this was taken away from able-bodied people not having transport, social interaction, etc., says one of our listeners on double three double one. Speaking to more there as well about mental health issues and uh, interesting to read today in the newspaper that uh, the Samaritans helpline saw the number of calls from people seeking support rise by 10% last year with volunteers answering around one call per minute and volunteers at the 24-hour emotional support helpline uh, answered more than 1,000 calls a day from people in need the charity's 2022 Impact Report reveals and that's a very, very telling indeed, is it not? News and information's on the way.
6: Tip Today with Fran
4: Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: You're welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. We're still getting lots of compliments in for that piece with uh, Michelle O'Shea. Uh, this morning. Yeah, she was very, very impressive and a great voice indeed for people with uh, disability and I would imagine we'll be speaking to Michelle again very soon on uh, the programme. Now, nominations for the Tip FM Best of Tip Awards, it kicked off of course on September 25th and uh, the opportunity to nominate is closing today. I'm glad to be joined in the studio now by our programme controller Stephen Keogh. Good morning to you Stephen.
6: Hi, Fran, how are
1: you? Um, very well indeed. Uh, you know, I mean it's it's often uh, a, a well-used phrase that uh, you know nominations have been floating in, but that really is the only description, isn't it?
6: Inundated with nominations. Floating in. Yeah, it's a great word. Double what we received last year. Wow. So, yeah, very impressed. And the campaigns all around Tipperary, I'm beginning to see it. uh, Posters in shop windows, um, a lot of social media campaigns and sharing and and you know, supporting and saying I'm supporting you and vote cast and all the rest or nominations, not votes at this stage, but yes. nominations. Uh, and that's what we're looking for. And there's six hours, so five o'clock this evening. That's the end of the nomination stage. And don't come running to us now if there's a, if you're not in the short list because, right, you have because to there's, be nominated. There's still an
1: opportunity. Yeah. Can you remind us again of the the categories?
6: Okay, so best barber, beauty salon, this is in alphabetical order, breakfast roll, butcher's coffee, creche, which is new this year, huge amount of interest. In that one, actually. Uh, Jim, well, I say that from the social media campaigns mm. um, hairdresser, ladies' boutique, menswear, pub, which is very competitive again, and restaurant, sports club, takeaway, and the local hero. Uh, which Cara Darmody won last year. Mm. So, uh, yeah, again, we're looking for a local hero. So that's somebody uh, in the community that you think deserves a special uh, recognition on the night, which is coming up at the Anner Hotel, and that's on mm. Tuesday, the 24th of October.
1: When we kicked this off last year, we were prepared for it to be a gradual increase over years and stuff, but it's remarkable that it's taken off so quickly, isn't
6: it? This you is know? the second year, yeah, yeah. yeah. And thanks to the sponsors as well, Tipperary County Council and the local enterprise office as well. So, uh, yeah, we're really trying to support as many... Uh, local businesses as possible. I don't know how many have been nominated. All I know, the numbers are huge. There's been over 30,000. Uh, how many of those are, are duplicates? There's a lot of spelling that we have to go through over the weekend because, as I said, I knew this would happen. <laughs> and I'm not blaming anyone because, I mean, yes. it's hard, you know, and there's apostrophes here and, you know, and mm. the different spellings. And and um, we'll go through them all and we'll make sure that uh, we pick the top five in each category and then we'll announce the shortlist on Monday
1: of course the night itself is always very special too the 24th is it yep 24th 24th in the honour
6: in Thurlis once again we were there last year it'll be a big night um, some fella called Fran Curry mm. and uh, some chancellor called Andrew oh, Luby is it lord. oh lord yeah they'll yes. be there is Johnny yeah. coming actually did you mention John, it? Johnny
1: did will come whether he likes it or not we will prize okay. him from the fourpenny Road and he, he'll certainly be there. he was there in great style last year as, as you know as well and of course that's a wonderful networking occasion isn't it, it uh, is. as well as being a social night out but it's a So that working occasion. Of course it
6: is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tipperary County Council and uh, the local enterprise office will be there. Mary Ryan, you had her on Mm. on the show with me a few weeks ago, uh, will be there as well. And absolutely, it's it's a great opportunity for, uh, because uh, all the nominees come along, so you've got the best gym, for instance, so you've got the the, the staff from each, not all the staff, but some of them and they all mix and uh, a lot mm. of them know each other. Likewise, butchers, hairdressers. Uh, the creche is a new one this year and I mentioned the, the yeah. nominations for that and there's a lot of campaigns I notice on, on social media. well
1: and of course we encourage the campaigns. Absolutely. That, that, that all adds to the crap. So you say about, what is it, six hours or so left just to remind people how you can nominate again Stephen. If you haven't
6: uh, nominated, if you haven't gone on the website it's very easy, just click on tipfm.com on the homepage there's a link to all the details on the Best of Tip Awards and then there's another little link there which is very obvious and it'll just say nominate here so when you click on that you come to a page with 15 categories and there's a blank space in each one and you don't have to fill them all out, some people are just filling out one or two, Uh, some people are going through the whole 15, that's entirely up to you but you only get one chance to nominate so don't waste it if you like and uh, maybe have a think about it first and a lot of people you'd, you'd sort of notice there's uh, nominations for one business in Thurless and then the next nomination is a business in Thurless and the next one is a nomination for a business in Thurless and likewise you know there's one for Ross Grey and then there's another Ross Grey and, and you know and that's natural. Of you'll, course
1: you'll, it is, of course it you'll, is. You'll yeah. pick yeah. your
6: own and, and, and sure why not and if you're in Ross Grey I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I was yeah. in with yourself and Mary we didn't get any nominations there was well, sorry, we didn't get any shortlist. There was nominations, but there wasn't enough to get into a shortlist. Okay. So I'd like to see more Ross Gray entries, and they are they are flying in. So uh, we'll know yeah, let's on Monday. Do that. So yeah.
1: so speak to me about Monday then, because that is the announcement of the shortlist, I guess.
6: Yeah, through the day, we'll announce, we'll go through all the different categories, so you, you'll get the honour to announce a few through uh, on tip today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew will kick it off in the morning, I'll announce some on the lunchtime show, uh, Own right through the afternoon on drive time. And then at six o'clock, after we've announced all the short lists in each category, we'll click the magic button and the website will be live. And that's when you can vote and you've got until Friday week to get the votes in. Uh, at that stage. So it won't be a blank uh, page you'll be looking at. It'll be a page with five. So a butcher, for instance, uh, you'll you'll see the five butchers who've been shortlisted. They'll be there. You will click on your favourite. Uh, likewise, you go through. And I think at that stage, people generally tend to vote in each category, whereas yes. the nomination stage, yeah. it's more individual. Oh, I must vote for what I must nominate such a business uh, that I like. But once you get into the voting, uh, people, as I say, tend to go through all, all 14.
1: All right, mighty stuff. We're looking forward to, uh, to the short list on Monday. Thanks for that, Stephen. Thanks very much today. We'll take a break, and our panel is on the way.
6: Tip FM's
0: Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main fuel dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie.
1: Now, welcome back to Tip Today and indeed to our Friday panel. And I'm glad to be uh, introducing to your panel today is Paula Kearney-Hoffler, uh, data protection and company law expert. Cleanna Maher is with us, uh, creative director at Clonmel uh, Junction Arts Festival. And Conor O'Brien is with us, uh, finance professional. Thanks to you all for, for coming into us today. Can we begin with uh, neutrality? Because this is a big topic for us during the week. Tonish to Martin has defended uh, the decision to allow Irish soldiers to provide basic rifle training to Ukrainian soldiers as non-lethal aid, arguing that it's humanitarian to defend your people. Now, Mr. Martin made the comments during a visit to Ukraine for that extraordinary meeting of the EU Foreign Affairs Council. Cliona, can I start with you uh, on this neutrality and the notion of training soldiers to use rifles and describing that as non-lethal aid, how, how, do, you, how do you feel about that?
13: Well, I, I feel, you know, the Irish Defence Forces have been engaged internationally since the Congo in 1960. You know, and we've been at the top of the United Nations peacekeeping forces um, for 63 years. It's not just standing at barricades. You know, I mean, the, the United the Defence Forces, I mean, we should be so proud of the fact that the Irish Defence Forces are really highly regarded within the United Nations peacekeeping forces. Um, part of it is because of our neutrality. Um, but I suppose what, the, what peacekeeping is about is about um, ensuring other nations' sovereignty and their rights to sovereignty. Um, training has always been part of what the defence forces do. So I don't see it as any infringement on our own neutrality um, we recently, as you know, we did our production of From Out the Land, which kind of followed the history of Kick and Barracks from 1914 to 2012, when it sadly closed. Um, and it looked at sort of, I suppose, the origins, you know, kind of back set back in kind of the British Army days and then moving to the kind of the 60s to 80s yes. when, we st- when we started going on peacekeeping forces. and. I think it's 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 very much part of the Irish Defence Forces DNA. This idea of protecting other countries' um, mm. rights to and self-government. and
1: you don't see any issue with the notion of peacekeeping because you mentioned peacekeeping a number of times with the idea of training somebody to use a weapon that will probably end up killing somebody else. Does, does, does yeah, that...
13: well, you, you know, peacekeeping. I mean, they're soldiers. Mm they they carry arms you know kind of it's 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 not it's not kind of standing around telling people to be nice to each other there's no you know there are a lot of different elements to the missions that the the Irish defense forces have been on in the last 63 years and part of it has always been training um, part of the research that we did into kick and Barracks i think there you know we we brought c- kind of soldiers over from other countries i believe to Clonmel to kick and Barracks to train them here um you know, part of our kind of conversations with the United mm. Nations veterans brought that up. Um I don't see it as any difference to yes. what's done before. I think people are very sensitive on the topic of Ukraine. Um uh, but I, I don't see how it compromises yes. our neutrality. If we, you know, if we wanted to be a hundred percent neutral, we wouldn't be part of the UN peacekeeping
14: forces right. at all. So
1: you don't have a problem with this? No, basically. I don't. Okay, Paula, how are, you, how are you feeling about this?
14: I completely agree, with Cleona, Totally agree. Um, I have, I had a lot of family involved in our, the Irish Defence Forces. Uh, my brother did three tours in Lebanon, um, and his thing was about training. You know, he was my brother. Was a, you know a sniper, um, really, really good. Um, but he trained. You know, he would have been involved in training people and and and, and taking defensive measures. You know, whilst you are peacekeepers, you still have to protect. Um, you know, the, the troop that you are with, mm. and you are with different people from different countries. You're, you know, you are in that group. So, like, I have no issue with it at all. I think it's something that we, the Irish Defence Force, are, are they're so highly trained. You know they really, really are spectacular at what they do. The training is incredible. So you in, know, training you know somebody from a different country to defend their own country, I have no problem with it. I don't mm. think it's impacting our neutrality at all. That's my position. And, and
1: explain to me how you doesn't, uh, how you don't think it impacts our neutrality. I mean, if essentially it is helping somebody to. Kill other soldiers, if 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 you know what I mean. Like, why, how does that not? To, I mean, I'm not, I'm we've not, always I'm done not it. Judging it's, this, no, I'm, no, no I'm absolutely. I, I understand yeah. where you're coming yeah. from.
14: So, for me, it's like you're you're training somebody to defend their rights to their sovereign nation. You know, if someone is invading your sovereign nation, don't you have a right to defend it? Wouldn't Ireland have a right to defend it? Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't we train our own people? So, I, you know, like, that's mm. the thing. And, and it's like what Cleona says, it, it, it's it's not just about standing on the sidelines. Yes. It's about taking a step forward and helping or guiding somebody into how to defend their country. That's right. what it is about for me.
1: But the notion of neutrality, you are taking aside. Now, today we read about that great atrocity where Russia bombed that village. Yeah, 50 people, including children, it, yeah. killed there as well. So it's horrendous.
14: I mean, but they're inv- they're the invader. Yes, Ukraine are the defender. They're pushing back. Do you know what I mean? How do how do we feel about a a big power like Russia invading a much smaller independent sovereign nation of Ukraine? Should that be allowed? Should we let it perpetuate and go on? Right. Should we stand on the sidelines and do nothing? Oh, we're neutral. And the other
1: the other argument is that you know, in conflict all over the world over the years, there's been. You know, there's been bad actors um, attacking unfortunate populations, yeah. and we 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 held on to our neutrality at that point. We didn't get involved.
14: But we so. always had an opinion, or we always had some sort of involvement, whether it's peacekeeping in a different country. You right. know what I mean? So, so, do do
1: we have a neutrality then? Paul? See,
14: I think okay. So my opinion, just my opinion, yeah. is we need to get off the fence. We need to decide which way we want to go. Do we go and not support do anything? Because this is this is coming up again and again. Fran, people are. You know, you know. Do we stop the flights coming into Shannon as the stop point for military? You know, mm. military coming from the states. Well, many from
1: people would believe we should.
14: Well, like then, okay. So then, we we stop it all. Mm. Let's stop it all. Let's mm. lose the revenue from that as well. Mm. Remember, but let's stop it all. Let's be completely a hundred percent squeaky mm. clean neutral.
1: But that's impossible. You're saying to me now. In it's this impossible. Age, it's
14: absolutely impossible. In the, in the world today, it's impossible. It's mm. absolutely impossible. Or we forgo our neutrality or have neutrality plus one or plus two or have a variation of our neutrality but call it something. So not everybody's going, oh well that's breaching our neutrality. Actually do something about it and decide where we stand. Connor,
1: are you going to disagree with uh, Paula and with Cliona? I'm going to disagree with
15: the, the linking of the concept of neutrality and our participation in these peacekeeping missions. I don't think our neutrality is impacted by it. Uh, I, how, I think, how would you believe that now? Because I suppose our neutrality is related to to where we, as a nation, stand on, on, on a position. We've signed up to UN peacekeeping missions. We've signed up to NATO and everything else that goes with it, and participating in that. Well, we're not part of
14: NATO, NATO. exactly.
15: But I mean, the, the the concept is if we signed up to the to participate in it... Our, our, our neutrality is independent. We're not going to go and attack Russia. Russia aren't going to come and attack us. I mean, our, our, our position on neutrality is that uh, we're not going to kind of actively go and fight in Ukraine against the Russians. We're, we're not taking a side. We're not going to fight with Russia to invade Ukraine. So the fact that we're going to train and upskill the uh, mm. troops in Ukraine to do whatever they want to do, whether it's for against Russia, whether it's against something else they want to do. That's a separate point.
1: I, I think the big, uh, the big issue is um, some of Micheál Martin's wording, where he spoke about an evolution of neutrality. No yeah I think I, he's, I I have to think <laughs> about that one in great detail. He sowed the hair so many
15: ways in, in his speech, I, I think it was kind of ridiculous if he just shut up and just said it is what it is, yeah, I, I think he wouldn't he wouldn't have caused such a
1: storm. yeah, but you see when people hear about the evolution of neutrality, I mean what springs to mind for many people is, will my son or my daughter end up trundling off to some war somewhere to 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 fight on behalf of another country. Most people don't want that to happen, you know, is that not the fear behind all of this?
15: Don't think we're at that level yet. Do you not think? No, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any sort of suggestion that there will be some sort of conscription. No, no, no. Do
1: but, but do, you, do you know what I'm saying? To you? when you talk about the evolution of neutrality and all of that, and you talk about the possibility of some form of European army down the road or something like that, mm-hmm. that, that is that not a real fear? That would be a fear for me.
15: I have to say that if so, are you speaking about conscription. You're talking about somebody well, who's actually a member of the defence
1: force the, has been uh, called into action. Both. Both and the possibility of both down the road, Paula. How what do you think about that? Is that not the real fear behind when we talk about neutrality? Is that not really what it's about? We don't want our sons and daughters trundling off to fight in some some far off place. Okay, we so sign up
14: to the defence forces, well, we, if they? you sign up to the defence forces, you know where you're signing up to. No, no, no. even if you're just defending your own nation from Russian invaders and you're you're you no know, coming into your seas or whatever your your thing. I I honestly. Right, I honestly don't believe that would be my fear i mm. I don't feel it's my fear, yeah, I wouldn't like anybody to go to war, and I wouldn't like Ireland to be involved in a war, but from a moral and from a a defensive approach to protect one's people, sometimes you do have to go to war. Mm. I can't see Ireland being picked on, although you never know mm. you know what i mean but i I wouldn't be concerned about conscription. You know what I mean? I, I can see that down the cards for Ireland. If you're a member of the Defence Force, you know what you're signing up to. You know what you're being involved in. You know what the call is, the call to duty is. You understand that. And and that's it. It's like people going over to, to support you know, the United Nations and, and going on these tours. They know what they're signing up to. They know there's risk. You know there's risk when you're going over there. We've lost good people on these missions. And that yeah. was neutrality. Well.
1: Would it surprise you, Cliona, to know that most of our listeners disagree profoundly with you all today? And again, one of the fears is, you know, children, grandchildren, as one person says, trundling off to fight a war somewhere else for somebody else.
13: I have a 14-year-old um, with three nationalities, Polish, French and Irish. Of those three, the least likely that he, will, he would be conscripted under is Irish you know, because we're not a militaristic nation. Mm. The nature of the Irish Defence Forces is in protection, peacekeeping, you know. Mm. The, uh, the training thing is something that has always been part of it. I think people are very nervous about the war in Ukraine and so mm. they should be because it is, you know, the big war of this decade and it's very close to home. Um there is a nervousness for Ireland because we've always been the gate, the back door to Europe. Mm. You know, you go back to Napo- Napoleonic times. You mm. know, we—I suppose there was a period where we saw ourselves as this little island off to the side of where everything was happening, but we're not. I mean, you know, we're—we have a big sea access to. Um, mm. I think I, I would be more nervous about you know the state of our navy. Yes, um, which is really training.
1: unfortunate. I would it? be
13: much more concerned so about that. So what you're talking about, about
1: there is us defending ourselves now is where we're getting to in the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I think the, inability whole lo- to yeah, the,
13: whole, the whole idea of neutrality, um, the history of that is is based on the history of our relationship with the UK. And I think it's probably something that as a nation we need to re-examine and go, is it something that we want?
1: You mean our dependence on the RAF, for example, to patrol our, our airspace, is that it? Is that, yeah, that but also I thing? suppose our,
13: our decision to be neutral and our decision, for example, to stay out of the Second World War mm-hmm. um, was very much based on our historical relationship with the sure, United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all, an Irishman, Edmund Burke, said, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think our, our you know, I, I don't know... I haven't thought about it in great deal. I did a bit of reading around, yes. you know, for this morning, and we've obviously just come out of the show. But I, uh, you know, which looked at the defence forces mm. in great detail. But I do think that the, you know, there are certain things that we hold close to our hearts. But it's now the 21st century, and we need to say, well, is that actually important to us now? Does that work for us today?
1: Yes, and you and know? how would we look at that? Would that be a, a putting a vote to the people, for example? I
14: think it would be. I would think it would be asking Ireland to state where they want to be. Okay. Well, uh, and, I, I and would hand, bet my and if is, that that would... Is there versions of neutrality? Is, are we getting involved? You know what I mean? Like, uh, we need to look at it in a larger scale. Yes. You know what I mean? And, like, I'll go back to clean it says, you know, Irish people, we, we, we value protectionism. We protect... We 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 empathise when we see other countries mm. suffering. We we looked at Ukraine and we went, oh my God, is there something we can do? That's what Irish people are like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I think Irish people. I think if we had versions <laughs> of neutrality, and said to them, listen, okay, we're not going to get directly involved in wars. However, this is what we will do.
3: Mm.
14: Mm. This is where this is our standing point and change. It's one of those things that we haven't looked at or changed. How,
1: uh, however, in every poll. It, that that I'm aware of anyway uh, people have said I think it's over 60% in the last one saying no we want to hang on to our neutrality it's important to us I would bet my house that if it was put to the people that would be the result country absolutely yeah
15: yeah because it's it's playing to the fear that you said people are feared yeah. fearful of being sent off to a war or that they're that we're not going to have any real benefit out of or any sort of interest in other than our our participation in a, in a UN force yes so I could I could totally understand it but i think uh, as uh, as we've discussed i mean the the concept of neutrality is so broad how are you ever going to define this uh, evolution of neutrality concept and uh, d- define all the escalation levels i, I think our,
1: we have to put our trust in uh, in how mm-hmm. the elected officials actually manage it and did you have any thoughts around what president michael d Higgins uh, said about this and he expressed his... He's concerned, I suppose, that we're drifting in some way where this is concerned. Absolutely. I mean...
15: the guardian of the Constitution and uh, mm. the statements about, about neutrality. I can understand it all. Mm. Um, I think it's good to have the debate and good to flesh this, this thing out, mm. but I think uh, Michal Martin probably needs to sharpen his tongue in terms of what, what
1: he says going forward. Yes, well, we're, we're approaching elections, so I'd say he's going to be <laughs> as ambiguous as, as normal where this is concerned. We'll take a break. We're staying with our panel and we'll be right back to you. It's 28 past 11. Welcome back to our Friday panel and Connor O'Brien is with us, Cleon Amar and Paula Carney hoffler as well. Now, new figures from the ESRI indicate that there's far more problem gambling in Ireland than previously believed. A new study estimates that 1 in 30 adults in Ireland suffer from problem gambling, which is 10 times higher than a previous measure from 2019. Um, Let's go to you, Paula, first of all, on this. These figures are are very worrying indeed, but do they surprise you? No. No. Not at all?
14: Not at all, actually. Probably understated, I would believe. Um, reason being is because gambling used to be, you know, you were putting a bet on a horse or a dog. You'd turn yourself into town. You'd, you know, pop into the shop. you put the bet on. You'd hang around outside to see if you won or whatever. You know what I mean? That was really what gambling was or betting on football or you're running a pole or whatever. Now it's on your phone.
1: You just 24-7.
14: Tick, 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 tick. And there you go. You can gamble to your heart's content and you can attach your bank account to your gambling to where you can go transfer funds into my account, transfer funds. And, you know, and I'm not just talking about horses and and, and dog races and all this. There's so much gambling available through these apps from the various big bookies and agencies that are out there allow you to play these games. And I'm going to be honest, the lotto. There yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. you know. Whilst they do have well, restrictions, that's, that's in the place, big one,
1: the lotto and yeah. scratch cards. They, scratch cards the you can one. do online. Yep.
14: You do your lotto online, your daily millions online, your lotto bingo online. You can do it all online, and it's up to you to self-regulate yourself by setting your limits. So, I think yeah. it's the it's the online, it's the app world, it's having that available, and it's it's such an awful awful thing to have to have that addiction. You know, I you know I saw that young guy being interviewed on the telly, and I'm like a thousand euro. You know what I mean? Spending on gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have no life, and like it damages your relationships, your family life. You know, people end up with suicidal mm. considerations because they're so overwhelmed and all. And it's not the money. And it's, it's
1: hidden largely for a long massive, period of time yeah, then, until yeah. it becomes an issue a, yeah, between
14: you're yeah, not paying your bank loans, yeah, your credit cards, yeah. and all this. I think the app issue needs to be addressed big time. And I, I haven't got sight of the gambling bill yet, you know, to, to really get into it. Yes. Um, but they really need to put serious restrictions in place. Well,
1: my understanding is that uh, this research will play into the eventual it's legislation. Actually, it's actually
14: ties. So if you yeah. go onto the regs to look for the regulations, what I am a bit disturbed by okay, and this annoyed me, is there were some comments around the gambling bill from, I can't remember what minister or somebody out the other side of the country saying it's going to really impact the horse racing because there'd be reduction in advertisements, proposing the reductions in advertisements and stuff like that. It's going to impact racetrack revenues and also, oh, it will be terrible if they remove the ATMs from the racetracks. I'm going, it's the best thing ever because if you can't get at the money, you can't spend it. Like, they're more concerned mm. about how much money... I understand racing in Ireland is our uh, passion. Mm. But, like, reduce the risk on and, and these people with addictions who have of no mind. They just can't help themselves until they get help. But going to the
1: racetrack, to Paul, is way, way down the line of It's uh, way down uh, the
14: line, but issues, it's still another you know? thing. Yeah, yeah, it's still course, a, yeah. making it easy for you to get money yeah. out if there's an ATM there. Seriously? But do,
1: does it surprise you, Conor, to know that um, scratch cards and, and lotto, they're, that's top of the list. Not really, no. It's no. the easiest thing to buy. You don't need an account to buy. But we, but we don't associate it with... I know, but this, this,
15: gambling, if you this know is exactly anything, you know? the yeah. thing of, of yeah. gambling. And I mean, historically, we would have thought of gambling as being, oh, the man who goes to the bookies and sits there with a paper all day in the pub and does his horse every race. Yes. It's so much broader. I mean, bingo is gambling. I mean, the whole the, the, our concept of, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm from background is financial, uh, financial markets and stuff. But I mean, even there, you can the, anybody who is anybody can set up an account and you can trade phenomenal money on markets shares CFDs and, and that's gambling that's gambling, that's gambling. It's gambling it's pure yeah. gambling it's, yeah. absolute, it's pure speculation and again you can do it you just tick a few boxes say yes I consent yes I consent and suddenly you can lodge in five grand and you can be buying Bitcoin to your heart's content mm-hmm. and you can lose your shirt in a, and multiple shirts in a matter of seconds and if you don't have the money in the account you just get cleaned out they clear, clear, they clear your call so it's so easy to slip into it. And anybody who's over 18 or who claims to be over 18 just
1: ticks the box and says, yes, I consent. And it's just too easy. Clean, uh, 1 in 30 adults, uh, how, uh, are you surprised at these figures?
13: Yeah, it's kind of horrifying. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, no. And I think it's probably, I just, I, I think... You know, as as the others have said, I think it's the availability that makes it a huge problem. Um, and I'm sure it was something that really was exacerbated by a series of lockdowns where a lot of people were just stuck at home with nothing to do. Home, um, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's sort of gambling itself is... Part of human nature, mm. you know um it's it, my, my dad was like mad into the horses, mm. and in fact, Ladbroke sent a wreath he was a, <laughs> a very good customer very good, but yes. he you know he loved it, he loved the social aspect, going to race meetings, you know mm. this kind of my neighbor with kind of the the monthly poker game you know it 's about the sociability, I think it 's just the loneliness of somebody sitting with a phone and risking their life because mm. you know. Mm, the implications are huge. Um, I think there need to be support services for it. I think it needs to be monitored. I know you get into the whole nanny state thing, but as we know, like when people... Panic. They they, they don't course, behave particularly yes. well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, particularly in this area, when people get into financial difficulties, and then they see the way out, uh, which is just a way of getting them into further financial difficulties. Huge impact on mental health. Huge impact on families and relationships. Um, and I think mm. you know there needs to be kind of pa-
7: Paula, research the, and, the, and funding
1: put aside the, to help the, this. The other thing around this, of course, is already we're hearing about this kind of legislation. You know, will add to the whole nanny state thing. You know, and should we make up our own mind whether we gamble or not? Does, does such.
14: No, I don't think so. I, sometimes you need to be nannied. Uh, we need to be nannied about giving up smoking. We need to be nannied about alcohol consumption. Yeah. You know, although sometimes I disagree with it. But anyway. Self protest. <laughs> wine glass. Yeah. Wine glass. <laughs> but no, no, but yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. we need to. And I, I. it's not so much the people, it's the institutions who are pushing these because they know you're vulnerable. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm. all this kind of... Yeah. Vulnerable people are, are 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 people who find who become addicted to things quicker and easier. That's what a vulnerable person is in this instance. Someone who is an addict is a vulnerable person and they are selling their wares and enticing and nudging people into Losing their shirt or their multiple shirts, and how, as Connor said. how powerful
1: are these lobbies you know from from the betting industry? Oh, I think right? they're
14: fairly powerful are they? i yeah. i I would have a feeling I'm not an expert on that, and you' probably Connor probably be more expert than I would, but I would feeling they do have a lot of power. They're big organizations. If I go back to racing, racing in Ireland and you know big organization you know um I, I think they're very powerful. I really do
15: yeah you you go along with that Connor, yeah absolutely I mean. Stuart Kenny, who founded Paddy Power, walked away from it in 2016 in disgust at their refusal to protect vulnerable people. He flagged in 2019 that this is a huge issue. And here we are, four years later, we're shocked and appalled that there's one in 30. And I think it's way higher than that because our concept and definition of what gambling is, is is so
1: broad now that Mm. it it encompasses so much of our lives. And I was interested to see that some of these stores are closing, Um, but... But I mean, the, the reg- r- r- gambling profits. revenues are going up. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. yeah. So it's the online. It's the all online.
15: It's entirely online. And I totally agree with the we need to be nannied because this is some aspects that we have been sold here are so technical and the products themselves are so complex. Like I don't even understand some of the com- the financial products that have been tra- that have been sold. And I've I seven years of training behind me as a chartered accountant, but I still don't know what they're selling because they they design it that way. So you as the the simplistic user just end up feeding into their into their scrolling habits and you end up step after step after step and then you don't really understand the product you've been sold in the first place. So it's this whole concept of just, just get them in, give them the first 50 euro free and then they're in for, and then, the, for, and then in, there's a yeah. slippery slope down. Yeah, I,
1: I was horrified, I heard a piece on National Radio yesterday where, where a guy was saying he started off as a 13 year old. Mm. That's where he started. To gamble. I mean, mm. that is frightening, is it not, Leonie? Yeah, you know? and
13: again, that should you know, that's not legal, yeah. and it it shouldn't be possible. Yes, um, but it is it, exactly, it is. exactly. And yeah. I think there's an awful lot of areas. You know, there was uh, we were talking recently, obviously about Snapchat, and um, you know, you look at all of these online apps where there's huge money being made, and it's mm. very unregulated or underregulated, and it's international, so it, it goes beyond national law. Um, and we're just letting it happen. You know, we vote in our politicians to take care of our national laws. Mm. But there are things that ha- are happening on the internet, internationally, that there's nobody overseeing. Controlling, there's yes. There's nobody controlling. So have you the any hope for
1: this legislation that's coming up? Uh, you,
13: you have to do something. You can't yeah. kind of say it's too big, we'll do nothing. I, um, and I think, you know, I mean, obviously there are very strong lobby groups. Because yeah. with, that, with that level of gambling problems, huge money is being made by someone. Yeah. Um, and and you know the market will, I don't know. There was always this idea that markets would regulate themselves, but yes. I think where there is massive prob- profit, I think companies find it very difficult to regulate we're themselves. Not in they a just go market. more. No, it's
15: all distorted. It's
13: all about the profit and the proceeds. And that? you know, and we're in this area where this is not about you know a convincing salesperson or a good horse. There are algorithms that are designed to lure in the susceptible. And hmm? that needs to either it's be stopped or regulated or really controlled somehow. It really is
1: indeed. Even I'm a bit afraid of gambling, uh, gambling I must admit. I've never sort of even sort of touched any of this stuff, because I'd be afraid of being sucked into it, mm-hmm.
14: you know. And you're right. Yeah, the, I, Just going on for the algorithms, like there is rules and legislation and for me, that's something that I pay particular attention to, is psychometric behavioural monitoring, where they're looking at your behaviours, your tendencies to click and stuff like that. What you'd like to buy, what you like to look at, what can we sell you. So if you're a gambler, you're going to see more ads. You know, if you look at the likes of the Facebooks and, you know, you know all the various different social media platforms, TikTok, they all do this. They're looking at your behaviour. Even the company you buy stuff from who's sending you marketing communications, they're monitoring your behaviours, your clicks, your likes. That's how they're getting, that's how they can target you. And this all goes into real-time bidding. And these companies pay to find out if you're into gambling or if you're into cars and they're going to target you and they're going to create that lure and they're going to nudge you. So is it fair it. to
1: say then, Paul, I mean, even if I'm trying to address my gambling issue and I'm on social media, I'm still going to be targeted?
14: Yes, absolutely. Unless you just... Cold turkey. Go cold turkey and come off all social media because that's really the only way. Or unless you pay your 10 quid a month to Facebook so you won't be getting advertisements or be tracked across the... This, this is what you're looking at. Wow. So it's 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 really insidious and it drives me potty.
1: Speaking of money, budget twenty twenty four will be announced this coming uh, Tuesday. In recent years, much of the content, of course, has been leaked, and same this year over the past few. I could almost write it myself at this point. <laughs> what, what are you making, uh, Connor, about what you've been hearing so far? Um, I
15: think it's all the usual pandering and the the flags to try and l- let the bad news out early, so so it's not a shock yeah. when it finally comes. I mean, it's just a case of the the, the mismanagement continues. The the, the mismanagement, the, the mismanagement, the pandering, the the squandering of money. Uh, the just it just continues left, right and centre. So I'm not surprised by any what I'm hearing. And uh, lo and behold, oh, the taxpayer is going to still carry the can at the end
1: of the day. Yes, so, but we're talking about reduction in USC. Possibly, and maybe I despite all the warnings against us, bans, and we're, we're told that uh, maybe a thousand euro a month, a year in people's pockets because of what's going to happen in this budget. Does that mean anything to you?
15: Does that? Uh, does it mean anything to me? No. Not until I see what's actually going to be announced. Yes. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that they like to publicise as being, oh, here's a measure. Just, I mean, the qualification criteria for some of it, it might apply to maybe 5% of the population. In terms of the the ordinary Joe soap on the streets, uh, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to our pockets. Yes.
1: When I said about the USC and possible reduction in that, you said that even though they've been warned, and of course economists have warned them on this, do you think, is that just a populist, what, what they're doing uh, tinkering around with this, do you think? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the USC charge, I fundamentally
15: disagreed at its introduction. It's just, the concept that we should have picked up that bill is just phenomenal. Mm. Um, I I totally disagree with it. It should have been abolished when it was committed to be abolished and Mm. they just dragged it on forever. So, as a taxpayer, I would like to see it go. But uh, looking at this with the state of the finances of the nation, decreasing corporate revenue, decreasing income taxes, um, I could understand why economists are warning you against its removal hmm. but I mean the, the reality the, is we need revenue because, somewhere. but that's
1: looking at pure economics I suppose as opposed, as opposed to maybe, to, uh, yeah, maybe the, 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 the human reality of it, of it all what, what are you making of, uh, of it uh, Paul what you've been hearing so far anyway
14: um, well, I kind of think it's an election budget. It's just a, it just feels like a weird budget to me. Even the way the stuff is coming out, I don't know. Um, and I was looking at all the previous budgets and I was going, "This is different." Mm. And then I read a piece of research from the uh, Nevin Economic Research Institute, and their comments and exactly what you said, Connor, like the income tax reductions and stuff like that, the concerns, and you know that you know our economy can't keep at the employment level as it's going at the moment. It will drop off, and you know kind of looking at that and yeah you know I would like to be a thousand euro better off mm. but at what cost further down the line what's going to happen and I can understand but I think they, you know it's it's just I really feel like it's an election mm. but it's pandering to the populace mm. to get them to you know to remember mm. oh we brought this in you know that's just what I feel. That's what it looks like it's to me.
1: But of course if you're struggling and many people are out yeah. there um, you know and if you're being told you'll have an extra grand I, I, in your pocket. Absolutely. You know?
14: If I'm going to get money off my electricity before Christmas, I'm going to get an increase yeah. in my child benefit. I'm going to say happy days. Yeah, I it doesn't mean I have to like you. You know, I, I just think you're just doing what you've done before. To get yes. me to vote for you,
15: but again, the, the mechanism they're using to give you that thousand back or the two hundred euro off your electricity bill—why not just solve the problem at the source and reduce exactly. the Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, no, this, I this, agree. Euro credit is
15: absolute all of
14: Yeah, it's to look good.
1: Yeah, Cleona, yeah. what, what are you making of it? And particularly, I suppose the big talking point has to be health. I mean, one one point something billion euro over over budget uh, there, and they're looking for even more money at this point. Oh, I mean,
13: yeah. It, I mean, health is—you know—when I think of where my taxes are spent. I want to spend on education, health, the roads, obviously the arts. Um, but, uh, I mean, health, I had to bring my son to the A&E in Clonmel last week and he commented to me, it's like a war zone mm-hmm. with trolleys everywhere. He's like, what? What? <laughs> um, and, you know, for a 14-year-old, he was like, there are more people living in the country now. Shouldn't the hospitals have more beds? You know, so...
1: Yeah, there's a thing. What <laughs> logic <laughs> are you thing. playing? There are more people
13: in the country. We need more resources. <laughs> He's going to have um, to stop
1: applying logic. Yeah. You know
3: that. The logic, you know, <laughs> just like, <laughs> leave it <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
13: I know, it's, uh, you know, it's... it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking how... You have kind of amazing people working within the health system, but, but on the ground, it's just so broken. It's been so broken for years.
1: Yes, and uh, do, you, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Because Micheál Martin took me to task on this about two weeks ago. He gave out to me. He said I was being negative about the health service when I was talking to him about trolleys. And to A&E
14: and well, should and Well, that's yeah. kind of
1: the point I was making to him, you know. No, in fairness... And the
14: mental health services. My yeah. daughter's on a three-year waiting list. I send them an email every week now. I have had to do that. I've had to go out there. I've been paying privately to get one side side of support, but I need a different side of support, which I can't afford. I just can't. I haven't got the bandwidth. Three years for, for services to support. for It's for autism. So how, 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 t- t- someone tell me how I can be waiting for three years on a great health service. Well,
1: you tell me with your experience.
14: Wh- what is wrong? Get rid of the ball and start from the bottom and build, build it back up. It's, it's too big it's to... Just, it's just there's it's bad, okay, so bad management um bad allocation of funds, overspends on everything, bad tender process, I definitely think we need a completely independent tender program yeah. that manages tenders for for big infrastructural things for mm-hmm. you know if the government is producing mm. that's part of it, you know what I mean, um you know people in in positions for too long. Maybe management and, positions. And still, you look at water, Waterford mistakes.
1: Hospital seems to have a bit of a grip on this. They don't seem to have the people on the trolleys. They have a deal with the consultants. They seem to be working seven days a week in some sort of a, a rota basis. So would they, would they not look to that and say, okay, maybe that works. Let's let's apply that somewhere else. Are am I doing like Clean the suns thing where I'm logic. looking at logic? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I so the the, str-
15: the struggle we have here is we have we've gone through so many iterations of the HSE and the health boards and centres of excellence Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and no one has ever delivered on any of it. Mm Yes, and All those structures are still superimposed so we have all these conflicting ideas of how we're going to operate as health service and it's just gone nowhere except fat. And the people who are the frontline nurses and doctors (laughs) are run off their feet and yet there are all the the middle management, all the support services, all the top management. I mean, uh, there was there was a a debate on TV the, during the week um, about the addiction services, and <laughs> that I was I must say I was really unimpressed with the HSC lead addiction services. Um, mm. the, the, he was the lead for the department. I was actually disgusted. He was couldn't have been more disinterested or disengaged in a debate. He was just sitting there, looked everywhere except at the presenter or his or his uh, the fellow people on on the. On the Show with them. I mean, the attitude of the whole thing
1: just sucks. Doesn't it just and and you know whatever political leaning you might have, some of the brightest and best have had a shot at this in terms of being a, a health minister over the years. I mean, you know, you might like them, but they were very good politicians. Some of them with medical backgrounds, they couldn't get a handle on it. Cleaner, you know, there's something. They can't. There's something intrinsically wrong with this, isn't
13: there? Yeah, and I think if, if you know, I mean, I know that the there have been a lot of. Difficulties between the politicians working with a, a, an organisation that is very set in its ways. So yes. I think it's it's the organisation mm. is probably at fault more than the yep. politicians here, because so many different people from different parties, with as you said, experience interest, but they're only there for a particular amount of time. Of course, the people yeah. who are there all the time are the sure. people within the organisation and you'd ha- like I'd, you know you'd have to say that the the organisation is faulty it's not working it's not delivering it has gotten the funding but it's not actually delivering on the ground what it's supposed to um,
1: right well be careful I, now do you, you might but offend you might <laughs> offend me whole martin by being negative about the, the health <laughs> oh, service God bless. Um, just before we go can we deal with that other issue um, stalled road projects to yes. cost 77 lives over the next 5 years this is a unique piece of um, research, I suppose. Uh, the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, he was warned last year that failure to properly invest in new road projects and improvements could result in 77 deaths, 381 serious injuries over the next five years. Of course, most people pointed to the green ideology on this, Connor, Um Did that surprise you that this came out? Very stark figures there, you know? I was actually glad to see it. Yeah, I was actually welcomed to, some, to something
15: as direct and, and honest as this. I mean, we are pursuing a green agenda and I don't think this fits very well with Minister Ryan's uh, portfolio or agenda in terms of what what the route is going down. Um, But I would totally agree with what they have concluded in terms of their recommendations and what is required. I mean, regardless of what vehicle or mechanism we use to get where we need to get to, we still need roads.
1: We still need infrastructure. We still need. Even if we're in an electric car. We're Absolutely.
15: Still needing Absolutely. Needing roads, and yeah.
1: and the prediction for Tipperary, by the way, on that, the N24 a care to Limerick Junction, the prediction there is for three fatalities mm-hmm. and three extremely serious. Uh, injuries as well in, in So oh, that's, that's, that's pretty stark. What are you making of that? The, is that useful to, to have those predictions? Or
14: Yeah, it is because I think Minister Ryan is on a different planet. I think he is an absolute he hasn't got a clue what he's talking about his green policy in relation to this. First of all, taking tra- traffic or heavy traffic out of these towns and villages and back roads and by roads makes a huge, huge improvement uh, one to the air pollution you know, and also to these fatalities. My brother died on the N24. He Did was killed in a road traffic accident. Oh, I'm sorry. to do with the, ca- the camber on the road. So I am a big pertainer to getting that road sorted and getting it, you know, done because more people, based on the predictions, are going to die regardless. So as someone who, ha- who had a direct impact from this particular type of bad road, I would say, Minister Ryan, get your head out of your and, and cop on
1: really and, uh, the programme for government allowed for what a 2 to one in yeah. terms of the spend on public transport as opposed to yeah. is, is that what it was
14: yeah and, yeah and like the thing the other thing is like is he going to put the dart into you know Clawine like I, I'm so excited about having my dart and my connecting <laughs> bus say that all right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Know, i that so you know I roll out when's it going to happen next year because I, I look at, seriously he's been around the Green Party had opportunities to make great changes years ago and they just didn't bother. And the likes of these proposals or these comments from Minister Ryan, oh, I'm, oh, we're going to do this, and we're not going to build motorways, and we're not, and we're going to stop this. He, they just—he really doesn't have a clue. Yeah,
1: and he's pointing to the launching of the new speed limit review, for example, as doing something about the fatalities on our roads. Cleaner, I would question that, you know, because how would you police that on back roads, and you know, that would
13: have to be part of a package of yeah. things done. And you know, we spoke before about how. You know, just having speed traps is a way of making money yeah, and it doesn't really yeah. affect um, the speed that people are driving at. I think we also need to affect, I mean, we, you know, if we look at even yesterday, if we look at the last number of months, we've we've had a number of extreme weather events. And the toll that, you know, the kind of rain we had yesterday here yeah. in Clonmel will have on the road surfaces means that they, you know, they need to be adapting the plan to future proof it and to look at the effects of climate change on our road system. Um, it's going to be more spending, not less.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The backbenchers and the other parties, of course, they're having a field day with this. And, you know, as you can imagine, because they're hearing, I mean, we heard it this morning uh, on the programme. We just touched on an issue I thought was going to take three minutes talking about uh, speed ramps. And mm. the whole thing took Exploded. off. But people, you know, just it is very important to people what's happening on the roads. Aren't Absolutely, it? but I mean, for people who aren't in Dublin,
15: the, your only link around is via a road, road yeah. uh, unless you have a helicopter. Yeah, I mean, it's just the reality. So, and the damage that gets done to cars daily through broken or unaddressed potholes and everything else, uh, it, it's just phenomenal. And the bill sits with county councils and, and with yeah. the and with the the car owners. And I mean, you you pay extortionate car tax, you pay VAT on your tyres, on your fuel, you pay excise duties, you pay VRT on the car registration, you pay everything. I mean, your the car is just the, the biggest tax-generating revenue I think uh, the government ever invented. And yet you still have to kind of fight for your right to actually use it. And then you pay your tolls on top of it. So where does it end? I, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid car fan, and uh, I, I can just mm. understand... the the passion people have for this because why Why should you have to fight for all this stuff even when you're paying all your
1: taxes on top of it? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you touched on it as well. I mean, take the, the N24 and yeah. you know what hopefully at some stage will become that motorway down to, yeah. to Ross Lair. For the foreseeable future, so I like, we're going to have heavy-duty um, uh, lorries and stuff on that road, bringing freight back and forth. I yeah. mean, it's good. That has to be dealt
14: with. Absolutely. I mean, well, it just has my, to be. My brother's incident was with, with a, a, a large truck. Yeah. It wasn't the truck driver's fault. It was my brother's fault. It was the, whatever way the road is and the, the camber in it, they shifted in. You know, it's just unacceptable. Like, really, those... And, and there is... And I've seen some trucks on that road. I'm on that road quite a lot. And there's... They speed... Yeah, They go above any speed limit, and there's some really bad bends. Well,
1: sometimes they're rushing for ferries. And they stuff. are. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Imagine. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. for
14: you know, if we want to develop rural Ireland, if we want to bring more business and more opportunity to rural Ireland, we mm. need. Roadways y- proper roadways y- and proper systems.
1: And I presume you know that the best we can hope for in the next 10 years is a bypass of Tipperary yeah. Town between Care and Solihide possibly or in around that area. Exactly. And that's the best we can hope yeah. for in the it's, next it's, 10 it's years. Ridiculous.
14: Maybe, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely know? ridiculous. 75% of all those fatalities, are actually road fatalities, are on rural roads or secondary roads. 75%. Mm. Right. Not motorways. Mm.
1: So motorways are safe. Are safe by comparison. They've certainly. always been safe. Yeah. yeah. So I can't
14: really understand what his thinking is maybe he just wants to put in more bike lanes Yeah, possibly. well
1: well, I mean his answer and I have it here in front of me was that look at the way we've launched the new speed limit review you, That's know, which, which is, <laughs> you know
14: I, I can't see a speed van or one of those cameras being put in the, on the road outside my door um, where they speed because it's a bit of a straight road and they love to speed there yes. um, you know are, they gonna, are the government going to put cameras in and do monitoring and catch all these by their vehicle registration number I don't think so so what's the point
1: all right, and uh, thanks very much indeed to Paula and uh, to Cleona and uh, to Connor. And, and just tell your son, Cleona, won't you stop applying logic to what's <laughs> happening in this country? It doesn't, it doesn't work. Emma produced. Ali looks after her content, and Stephen's on the way. I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. <laughs>